Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host, as always, Liam Edwards, and thank you so much for joining me to banish another somehow willing games industry member for the 61st time. Joining me this week is a brand new guest who is best known for creating rather extremely difficult indie games. Back in October of 2007, nearly 10 years ago now, my guest for this week released an indie freeware title that became synonymous with difficulty, frustration, and internet reaction videos. Released as a title called I Wanna Be The Guy, players took on the role of The Kid, a character who had to make his way through several different stages inspired by games such as The Legend of Zelda, Ghost and Goblins, Castlevania, Mega Man, and Metroid. I Wanna Be The Guy became a viral hit with everyone wanting to try their hands at this brand new, extremely difficult platformer that's levels were essentially designed to just kill the player. My guest, the designer and creator of the game, wrote it best on the game's website. I Want to Be the Guy is a sardonic love letter to the Halcon days of early American video gaming, packaged as a nail-rippingly difficult platform adventure. After the popularity of I Want to Be the Guy, my guest then went on to create a sort of semi-sequel called I Want to Be the Guy Gaiden. Most recently though, my guest has been working on numerous projects, most notably his brand new title that's being developed in conjunction with the recently formed Dungan Entertainment, a Castlevania-inspired title called Brave Earth Prologue, a game which I actually had the pleasure of trying a few months back at Bit Summit here in Japan, where I also for the first time had the pleasure of meeting and speaking to my guest for this week, the lovely and excellent Mr. Michael Kayan O'Reilly. Hello Michael! That was one of the nicest lead-ins I've ever got, hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Michael. How are you doing? Doing pretty good today. How are you doing? I'm very warm. We were both talking on yes. Twitter just before this about recording podcasts in the summer and how extremely difficult the balance of having an air conditioner and trying to get good sound is. And although I said to you I'd been blasting my aircon for a while to lower the temperature, we are literally only three minutes into this podcast and already... I can feel the sweat dripping down my face. Now my AC is off. I'm at least it's in horrible. a nice, big, empty room. So the airflow is pretty oh, good. That's good. I'm in a terribly boxed off, tiny Japanese apartment. So I'm just melting away here like an ice cream out in the sun. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> my Michael, usual like, so much. office. So <laughs> if I had to be in there during this with the AC off, I'd be in just the exact out. same situation as you. Because the thing is, I, w- I wouldn't even know what was where to go in Japan. Like, unless I was sitting in a freezer, I don't think there is anywhere where it's not humid. So whether it's inside a giant room or a small apartment or even outside, I'd just be melting anyway. Being English, Japanese summers just, they're the hardest things. They're the hardest things in the world. <laughs> oh, they seem miserable. But, the, Japanese w- oh. uh, weather just seems like a worse version of the Northeast weather I have here in the United States. It's I, it's four seasons, but everyone's like, huh, you get nice four seasons. Yeah, but we get the extremes. Like when it's winter, it's very, very cold. And when it's summer, it's just very, very hot and humid. It's like there's no middle ground anywhere through Japan. They just like to deal with arduous weather conditions all the time. If it's not typhoons, it's just 90% humidity that's killing you. So, oh yeah, well. New York, is, <laughs> New York is like, I think... Japan, only the winter is worse than the summer. That would be, like, the difference. The summer here is still pretty, like, wet and humid and miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but the winters <laughs> here are just a nightmare. Well, Michael, I appreciate you coming and dealing with the heat with me alongside as we... Well, essentially, you. I don't know, because it depends on the islands that we're going to talk about in a little while, where we're going to banish you. Um, so maybe you can choose, like, a place that has a beautiful weather system that isn't too hot, isn't too cold. 
is very mild. But thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so we're here to banish you for forever, essentially, with only eight games to take with you. But before we jump into that, how about we talk a little bit about you and, uh, you know, your career as a game developer and that kind of thing. You are an indie developer and you have been now for over 10 years since I Want to Be the Guy Who Released, which is That's, crazy. I remember being in college when terrifying. that game released out. I was in college when that game was released too. (laughs) That's incredible that you made that game in college. Um, So tell me a little bit how you sort of got into making games then and then, you know, building up to being able to release like this game that just became synonymous with difficulty and was massive, massive at the time. Yeah, um, I was making games forever, basically, uh, ever since, like, like I was, like, when I was a kid and I got, like, Load Runner on the NES, it's like, oh, you can make stages, and just immediately trying to make as many stages I want as I could with, like, themes and stuff with them. So then after that, there was, um, do you know what ZZT is? I do not. What is this? Uh, ZZT was a DOS game creation thing that used like ASCII graphics. So it was made by Tim Sweeney, the president of Epic Mega Games. Oh, okay. Which is always it's hilarious. Made if I ever met him, I would and just... all that kind of thing. <laughs> right. If I ever met him, I would only want to talk to him about ZZT. Uh, it's I'm sure he'd appreciate not having crude. to talk about Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, some people do pull it on him on interviews sometimes, and he always seems really amused that people still remember ZZT. And there's a few other like similar programs like it, but they were like this really basic, easy to get into um, game making software. Um, which I mean, we have a lot of that now, but at the time, the trade off yeah. was just like your game just looks like garbage. It looks like ASCII graphics. There's no pixel movement. You're basically moving like one complete um, like uh, character width anytime you move anything. But people would do ridiculous things. They would make platformers. They would make like RPGs. They would have things like rotate and do crazy like 3D movement. They would make like uh, like dungeon crawlers and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, it was pretty crazy, the stuff people would make in these uh, games. More um, Megazooks than ZZT. ZZT was more of an inter- um, interactive fiction sort of community, but uh, still, like, it was, like, one of those things. So it, just it didn't quite it. have... So it didn't quite have the complexity to be able to build stuff. Could you make, like, platformers and stuff out of out of it, or was it a bit more... Uh, you couldn't Megazooks. Megazooks is basically ZZT only with a more robust programming language to go with it. Oh, so, okay, yeah, you okay. could. I mean, things would move really crudely, but, like, you could do it. It's kind of crazy, the stuff people made in that. Um, and I always assume doing it, like, because you're only dealing with, like, two-color sprites. Not even, like, one-color sprite, like, one color in a tr- uh, transparency. Um, and, like, two-color background tiles. So it's like, oh, well, this is good because I'm not good at art. <laughs> um, and I had a friend. I know that feeling. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's funny now, like looking at Brave Earth, where I'm like, like, oh yeah, no, I couldn't do sprite art, but you know, all the, all those things take time. So, um, my friend showed me uh, Multimedia Fusion Two, uh, one time, uh, and he was like making little games in them, and I'm like, yeah. Well, I guess I could make sprites. Like, let me mess with this. Let me play around. Um, so I made, I want to be the guy, like just started making goofy stuff after playing, um, Awada, the life ending journey, that really old, uh, two Chan ASCII game. Oh, the, the Japanese one. Yeah. Um, yeah. wasn't that part of the inspiration behind, I want to be the guy as well. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, and it's funny cause oh, the okay, last yeah, boss, I read that. I read about that. Yeah. <laughs> the last boss in Awada is, uh, the kid from I want to be the guy. So the game that 
like inspired me i inspired that guy king to finish his game <laughs> so it's like this <laughs> it's this like self-referential like ouroboros <laughs> so um like a full so, circle yeah, like, that fine a, a yeah. masochistic full circle that came came <laughs> came to be at the end <laughs> yeah so um, basically i was like well you know if i like steal all these graphics it'll be fun funny and i can do a whole bunch of jokes about that and it'll keep me from having to do too much uh and as time going on i started getting more confident with what i was doing and you know just try and make like little cool parallaxing backgrounds and stuff like that until um i was like hey i could do more after uh i want to be the guy and then I didn't do anything after I want to be the guy forever. <laughs> there does seem to be quite a big gap between like Gaiden, and then there is a few other projects you did, like the uh, Dark Souls map viewer as well, where you you sort of yeah oh that built took upon like someone else's a day. project. You make like yeah a that model. didn't take any time at all. Oh okay, well uh, that makes the gap even bigger then. <laughs> but then yeah, you came no, out. The only thing I, I had is I remember, I remember going to Bit Summit. And I remember being like, hey, that game looks really sweet. This this sort of Castlevania-looking game. And um, people were like, oh, yeah, that's Kyan, the guy who made I Want to Be the Guy. I was like, what? Really? I, I, th- that guy hasn't done anything in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so how did sort of how did sort of going from I Want to Be the Guy being, you know, this, I would say, successful in the sense that everyone knows about it and everyone at yes. one point was playing it. Um, that is definitely success in a sense, but it was a free game. Um, oh, no. Going okay, from that, but let me, be, let me be honest. It made me money. Like, it didn't make yes. me, like, boatloads of money, but it made me, like, hey, college is a little nicer money. Uh, it was yeah. not an insignificant amount of money. Uh, but it wasn't, That's good. like, you I'm know, very happy. Money. Yeah, I'm glad because, you know, the game everyone was playing it. Like at one point, everyone in college had it on their playing it on their computers. It was one of those games you could get easily played on college computers. Everyone would get frustrated, see who could get the furthest, see who could even finish it. It was definitely for a long time. Everyone, I just I remember everyone playing that game. It was huge, and that is fantastic oh, yeah, that you made some money off that. So going from that then to you know, having made I Want to Be the Guy Gaiden and uh, I Want to Save the Kids, there was that other yes. sort of spinoff. Uh, that, um, yeah, that I totally from... dropped. Yes. And I can't remember. I Want to Be the Gaiden was meant to be like episodic, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I was originally, similar. I was already working on Brave Earth when that uh, happened. Uh, and actually, perfect oh, timing because okay. uh, Evo just happened. Um, yes. So the story behind right today. I Want to Be the Guy Gaiden, yeah, is that um, so you had uh, Flo, uh, the uh, Street Fighter 4 or 5, whatever, you know, Flo plays a lot of stuff player, and he's um, yeah. his streams are really popular. And he started uh, streaming I Want to Be the Guy, and it got really, really popular because he's just a man who suffers extremely well. Like when he's sad, it looks like his face is just melting off. It's incredible. Uh, nobody <laughs> few people suffer as vibrantly as Flo does um, and it's not even that sort of screamy YouTube way it's like this genuine just human sadness. suffering yeah it's incredible <laughs> um, watching him play hard stuff is great um, and that went over really well so uh, Mr. Wizard uh, who runs Evo or one of the guys him in the canons but like Mr. Wizard's the guy who got in contact with me and he's like hey could we get original 
I want to be the guy content for Flo to play on stage at Evo. And I'm like, how long do I have? He's like, yeah, like a month. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, that's short notice. <laughs> but uh, so in a month, I busted that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and because uh, I had like an engine sitting around because I made and I want to be the guy engine with the uh, grappling hook in um, Construct, which is the program I'm using now, which was a okay. mistake. But that's another story. <laughs> Um, so I had like the groundwork laid out, so I just had to, um, you know, put some content in it and it was great. And I was like, Hey, this is fun. And I could make more of this game. And, uh, there's part of me that still wants to, but, um, with me working on brave earth, which has been taking forever. And it's just like, once that's out, it's like, do I really want to be, working on a game I can't monetize and could potentially yeah. bring me legal trouble. Like um, it's one thing when you're a nobody releasing one of these games, but then it's like, yeah, no, I release like, you know, real games that you buy. And uh, also this uh, questionably uh, legal stuff, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to do more copyright more sort of, of stuff. I might. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think that would be that big a deal. I think it would still probably just be a DMCA, but you know, it's just like, if it just seems like as time goes on. Yeah, we've had more stuff. You know, we've had a lot of fan games recently, you know, with like ASMR yeah. 2 and that kind of stuff with stuff getting shut down. I will it say. It seems to be mostly Nintendo that crushed that stuff. I'm yeah, it's me, way easier it's though. Stuff. Okay, so the thing is though, that like, because people are like, how's your game never gotten taken down? It's like, well, it's not named after anything. That really makes a huge difference. Like, I think they care far, far more about their name and branding than they do art assets. That's always the impression I've gotten. So I probably still okay. could get away with it, but it's just like, right, because it's like, um, you know, nobody's going to play through the game enough to be like, hey, we know you got this, that, and the other thing, you know, whatever. Uh, the only problem with I want to be the guy that's ever happened is um, videos on YouTube have and Twitch have been muted because of, you know, copyrighted music or whatever. Because uh, of the music, yeah. Because you have like Mario yeah, Paint so. music and stuff in it, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have um, all sorts so, of stuff in it, yeah. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> so then jumping to... I mean, there's not like, an original piece of music in that game. Just all taken from other games. The Mario Paint stuff yes. is the one that sticks out just because of the how that tune has been used so much now for sort of parody videos oh, and stuff yeah, like that. It's such a great, great little tune. <laughs> but then moving on yes. to like Brave Earth then. Um, heavily inspired by Castlevania. Um, oh, oh, plays oh, really nicely. Completely, yeah, completely. I, I, I didn't want to say it. I'm glad you did. It's very, very, very Castlevania. But please, exactly someone once like called it more than inspired by Castlevania. Yeah, uh, it like feels like the Sultan. It feels a little like the Sultan Sanctuary Dark Souls thing, where the creators of Sultan Sanctuary just came out and they were just like, "It's it's 2D Dark Souls. Like you don't even need to beat around the bush. It's it's 2D Dark Souls. That's what we made. That's what we went for. Which is great yeah, because right. it's a great game, right? And Castlevania is great. So right. I remember playing it, and you were behind me, and I was like, "This plays like Castlevania, but it's really really good. It's really fun." Um, so you, yeah, how how did we get to Brave like Earth? Castlevania, then? but fun. Um, well, I always <laughs> wanted to make other games. I didn't want to be stuck with, uh, I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy's like, not the type of game that I would want to make, uh, that I would want to play so much. Like I do like hard games, but like, it's not a game that like screams out at me. It's like, oh yes, this is a game I would spend hours and hours on playing. Um, 
but I do love like really hard, like more actiony platformers. And I love yeah. like Metroidvanias. I didn't make a Metroidvania, but like there's, but you know, that's one of the things where it's like all these game ideas floating around my head. Um, yeah. But okay. So I wanted to make a Metroidvania for a long time, but I'm like, I don't want to make a game in an engine that's going to like make me hate myself. So I decided, like, hey, well, you, I also love Castlevania, and Castlevania uses, like, three tiles. I mean, that's an exaggeration. And really dumb enemies. I'm just going to make, like, a, a Castlevania 1 study, and I'll release it for free, which is part of the reason why it's, like, 100% Castlevania. Yeah, Because okay. at the time so when I was making it, I was like, like yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to make, you know, for fun. It'll be a free thing. It'll be something for me to do while I wait for better tools to become available. And then, as often happens when you're a game developer, you're like, hey, I could push this a little bit more. I can, you know, whatever. And then the, game, <laughs> the game's just, like, really big. It's, like, three characters. Like, there's, like, tons of art everywhere. Uh, yeah, and then it became its own game. So that's probably the reason why it's, like, so unapologetically Castlevania. If I, okay, like, so knew from the get-go. You didn't, I mean, like, so probably intensely, really... like, I want to make, like the modern Castlevania that is not a Metroidvania. Because it definitely isn't a Metroidvania. I think that's what some people confuse these days. They try and yes. make a game like Castlevania, they end up influenced by too many other genres, and then it becomes that kind yes. of Metroidvania, Metroid-like, Vania-like, whatever people call it these days. Yeah. Whereas I still want to Raven tackle that, Prologue, though, because I feel like because I feel like what you said is very true. Like, like there's all these like influences that people have when they do them, and I feel like most of the Metroidvanias that come out don't really use the um, the Metroidvania-ness. Not even the two composite games, but it's just like they don't think about their map in in the same way. It feels like um, like all the modern um, Metroidvania games feel more like. Um, people get confused when I say this, but they feel like platforming Zelda games where yes. Zelda isn't right. Like Zelda isn't a game about like exploring this complicated map. Uh, it's just about like you want to give have the sense of world and you don't want to just have these harsh transitions. So you have a map that takes you to all these different levels, right? You could have them as levels if you really wanted to. Or, or like how Cave Story did it, right? Like, there's not a lot yeah, of backtracking yeah. in Cave Story or anything, or like interconnected areas. But like, it's nice to have a feeling that the, you know you're all in one place, uh, which isn't so. It isn't wrong what these other games are doing, but like they don't scratch that itch that I have sometimes for just. It, I a think it's really become nice interconnected world. I think it's become more removed that over the general like you had the initial sort of lot of games that were inspired by castlevania and super metroid and stuff like that like you had the roguelikes and that became like metroidvanias and you had stuff like yeah. spelunky and stuff like that and then the people who are making sort of metroidvania titled stuff now are the people who were just inspired by playing games that were inspired by castlevania so right, we're, we're like, on like two level. or three degrees removed from that now that's why they're not quite there. There was a great video, I think, by Mark Brown, who did Game Maker's Toolkit the other day about games that are, we say, this is a game like Dark Souls now. And how people are starting to coin that as a type of genre. Like, this is a Dark Souls-like game, or the difficulty is Dark Souls-like. Um, but he goes into the depth of like what happened with Metroidvanias and how we got to that point, as well as being a genre. And we've sort of just removed aspects of different games that we like and titled them 
without actually keeping the yeah. sort of spirit or soul of what those games actually were about. Yeah, it's actually weird with um, Dark Souls. Because, um, like, for me, as somebody who loves those games, Dark Souls was, like, the game that came the closest to being, like, a Symphony of the Night or a Super Metroid. Because it's, like, again, yes. this, like, amazingly interconnected world. Uh, but the, the weird thing with Dark Souls and how people reference it is, like, it's a game where, like... Um, People see what they want to see in it. Like when people say like, oh, it's like Dark Souls. It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and that's totally different from everybody with... else. Like if. Yeah. People sort of say that about the Metroidvania as well. Like, oh, this this is a little like Metroid. And that's just because you're like in a big locked, I don't know, like sort right. of area. That and they're not wrong. Each other and has power ups at yeah, Right, they're not wrong. Not... But then I'm on the other side screaming. It's like, it's a 2D Zelda game. <laughs> And I'm the only one who cares. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's a platforming so, Zelda game. Yeah. So then get, getting back to Brave Earth then, the game you are making, and sort of now, you you know, it is this fully-fledged, huge game that is your own, very own game, you know, inspired by Castlevania. It started out that way, but it is now a lot more than just a case study of Castlevania 1. You know, you're working yes. with, you know, the recently formed Dungan Entertainment. Great guys. Um Oh, how is it sort of going guys. now? And how did you sort of get involved with, you know, actually now being like with a publisher and getting ready to release the game and showing it at trade shows and all that kind of stuff now? Which it must be all new uh, for you. What was the first question? Obviously you didn't. Oh, yeah. Um, what, like sort of starting to get the ball rolling now with it being a title that's oh, going yes. to be released, which is completely different to how you started with I Want to Be the Guy. You're now working with a publisher showing it at trade shows and just getting ready to release a full title. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's only because they basically, um, uh, you know, cold, cold called me on it. Like, Hey, would you like to do like a Japanese translation? Uh, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe. And then as we're talking, I get the impression that it's like, wait, no, we want you to be one of our guys. Like, you know, they're a new publisher I mean, even though they're all like, you know, they're not all new to publishing at all. I don't think any of them are. Um, you know, they're all a bunch of veterans, but like, you know, the company's new and they don't have a name for themselves. So like, I think yeah. like I was one of the like three or four games that I think they're like, uh, yeah, no, three games. Because um, who knows what uh, the Momodoro guy's going to do when that's a ways out. But like, like, like me, uh, Iconoclast, you know, the Conjac game. Uh, I think are like the two big ones for them. Yeah, you have like so... uh, Mumodora Five. You have Brave Earth, and then you have Iconoclasts. I think is the name of Cognac's. Name. Yeah. Um, so there are you know three sort of big indie titles from developers who've sort of done free or like sort of kind of crazy successful but out there kind of stuff. You know, I want to be the guy Mumodora, yes. and obviously Mick Pixel and stuff like that in the past. So yeah, um, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it looks like they were like, hey, we, we don't just want to translate your game. We want to, like, have it under our sort of publishing arm, I guess, and do it everywhere. Yeah, and for the longest time, I was like, I don't need a publisher. I don't care. Like, I at least have a name. I can get some press. I felt like I could use somebody to give more press, but it's like, uh, when you sign up with, like, a lot of publishers, you don't know how much they're going to care about your game. And, like, if they were still an established publisher, I still wouldn't know how much they would care. But the fact that, like, I knew that they looked at me 
as like an important starting, like one of the legs of the company to start up with. It was like, okay, you guys are going to take care of me. Right. Like you guys are going to give me the like, cause I don't need somebody to get me in contact with like press or whatever. I, I have at least some reputation. I can do that myself. But um, yeah. if someone's going to completely shill me every time they go out, like, hell yeah. Like, so yeah, they've been great to me. That's, that's great to hear. And it's, I think more of a sense, like having that kind of backing as well, and maybe the little nudges to keep you, like to a schedule maybe or like a deadline so you don't end up <laughs> I don't spiraling think don't have any, out of um, control. Uh, they haven't bothered <laughs> me about that yet. That's uh, good. They know, That's nice. But... They, they know they might be in for a bit longer. They know I'm near the end, but it's like, you know, how the, the, end of a, the, end of a game develop, uh, the end of game development is like you never know how long it's going to take for like various reasons. Like for me, it's like, oh, I have to wait on some people to do some stuff. Like I do most of the game, but like – like not sound, but I have all the sound I need. But like, there are some art assets, like some of the cutscene stuff. Uh, I have a friend yeah. do, and she's often very busy. So sometimes I'm just like waiting, like, oh, I need Nicole to be ready because there's like a shot that I can't do myself. I can do a lot of the okay. shots by myself, but like, yeah. she can do like she's good at like the close up personal stuff. Um, the more emotional so like, stuff, like when you play the game, the- you right, like she'll get like the, the better expressions on the faces and stuff like that. And like sometimes she'll even just give me like a sketch and I can like work on her sketches really good. Like just give me like the basic framework for the face and everything like that. And like I'll fill it in. And it'll look great. Uh, what would take me like hours and wouldn't look nearly as good. And she'll just give me a sketch in like five minutes. She's incredible. Um, but you know, like it's it's getting there. It's at the uh, it's at the end. It's not going to take like another two years or something. Like that. <laughs> it should be out this year. If it's not out this year, I'll be pissed. But it won't take much longer than that. I think that's my prediction. Hopefully, sooner than later. Well, but unfortunately for Dangan though, and yourself, um, you're not going to get to finish it because we're going to banish you to an island. We're going to send How you away you now. Do them so... dirty like that. You're oh, their well, friends. I know, and they're good. They're good friends of mine as well. So I'm for Nyan, Ben, Dan. I'm I'm sorry, like. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Michael I'm, I'm, I'm banishing him away so the game's done <laughs> All right. you have to get someone else to finish it but we are gonna I, I think you actually ready. could chop it up and make a releasable game out of what's there now so it's like have fun <laughs> messing around with it guys hey what I played so far bits of it what I played was really fun so you know and and it's super difficult in true Castlevania style so even I was struggling I got past like the boss on the bridge and that, that, like, I couldn't get any further. I ran out of time because okay. I was so just slow. Just one, one last thing I want to Just one last thing I want to yeah, say Yeah, go ahead. That is just, like, yeah. um, uh, the one thing I feel bad about partially is a lot of people look at that demo or they'll see stuff in the trailer and it's, like, um, I am very dead set with the with the trailer and what content we show. It's, like, the game gets crazier by a lot. Uh, I think me and Konjak both talked about this where it's just, like, not wanting to show our full hands, even though that's what everybody does, because I do want people to go in the game and just not know what's going to come. Like, you know, there's so many trailers where you see every cool boss in the trailer, and there's just, like, a point I have, and it's not even halfway through the game where I'm like, that's it. I'm not showing anything else. So it gets wilder well, by, like, a lot. So It's good because that, that gets me hype even more because what I played was, like, the kind of just sort of 
die and like I'm I'm gonna do it this time. I know what I made a mistake. I know how I, what I fucked up last time. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do it again. And then you fuck up again and you're like, no, one more time. I'm gonna do it. And you, <laughs> and what I really liked I about think... Brave Earth is that when you die, you have like your character portrait in the left bottom corner. I think and like oh yeah. Like your skin melts and stuff like that and you die. Like it's quite horrific. And you're like, no, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing it. And it pushes you to do more. So Yeah, it makes you feel bad. It. it does make you feel bad. It makes you feel really bad when you, you're watching your character horrifically scream and die. Um, but that's the version everyone's going to have to play because we are going to banish you away now. We're okay. going to send you away. So why don't we jump into your eight games that you've chosen for final games so let's listen to some music from the first game which is a game i don't know too much about but i have watched videos of people speed running this nonsense and it just looks far too complicated for me ever to be able to pay attention or keep up with this so let's listen to some music from this next game and let's dive straight into it So the first game on Michael's final games list that he's going to be taking with him um, is a game I don't know too much about. Um, there are multiple, I think, different versions of this game uh, and have been over a period of time. It's, uh, I, I believe it's a part of like a, a Grandmaster series. I, you might have to confirm that yes. for me, Michael. It's like a, a series. Yeah, and there's this is three the different games. One. Okay, yes. so this is Tetris The Grandmaster 3, and it released back in 2005 um, on the arcade, specifically, I think, was the only way you yes. could play it initially. Okay, so this is the first game you're taking with you. Why? Why is this the first game you're taking with you? And are you good at it? That's what I'm interested in knowing. Uh, I'm not particularly good at TGM 3. It's a super hard game, only like four or five people have ever become grandmasters at the game. There's like a ranking system in the game. So like when something in a game has only been done by like, you know, less than a handful of people, like that's crazy hard. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a grandmaster in the original TGM, which a lot of people are, but, um, see, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty <laughs> that's super solid impressive. At Tetris. Yeah. And, um, it seemed like a perfect game where, uh, I could spend years trying to get better at it, and there's the ceiling is always there. Yeah, so this is like the first four games on this list are basically my strategic games, where it's just like, what games can I have that will give me the most possible time of not going crazy? And I think TGM, just that hardcore, super difficult Tetris, I think even when you become a grandmaster at that game... You can always still keep getting better, so you could. Pro I could probably play that game for decades. 
uh, even though I'm not so, good at it now, but that makes it better. So break it down for me then. For people who, like me, I've watched speedruns of this and it is nonsense, but comparative to like oh, yes. what is normal Tetris and what is Tetris the Grandmaster, yes. can you explain a little bit about what the difference is between the sort of two are and why people are like Grandmasters? What? How do you get to that? Okay, so the, the problem with like a lot of Tetrises now that are made by the Tetris company is that uh, unless you're playing versus against somebody else, so they're super easy. So uh, I remember when my friend got Tetris DS years and years and years ago. I played it, her DS three times. The first time I unlocked infinite mode, the second time I got to level 999, and the third time I maxed the score out. Um, general That's Tetris crazy. is really easy. Yeah, and I'm not even that good at Tetris. I'm so, the I'm skill so bad ceiling at Tetris. Tetris is crazy. <laughs> so just consider that I did that, and I'm not even that great at Tetris. <laughs> like, okay. The people who are good at Tetris are wild, insane monsters. Um, so, um, and the problem with that is like, hey, I'm going to play, you know, Tetris DS on infinite mode. And for me to try and get my best score, it's going to take me like several hours. And it's like, that's not fun. Uh, and you can spin in place forever. You can delay forever. Pieces roll over each other super easily. It's just super easy to play, and it becomes very rote and mechanical. Uh, the only way to enjoy um, Tetris Company Tetris, which is the Tetris that you mostly get anytime you're not playing TGM, is to play for speed. Um, which is a Riot app, but there's a version of Tetris that has been designed for this forever, which is Tetris the Grandmaster Challenge. Okay. Um, which has a, a, a relatively strict time limit. Like, you're, like a game's not going to take, like, more than 10 minutes. And the rules of the game are strict in how pieces rotate on the floor and stuff like that, where... When the, when the game gets super fast and pieces are immediately dropping to the bottom, um, you have to put a lot of thought and strategy on how you stack things together because you kind of have to, like, make a pyramid to trundle things over and stuff like that. Uh, less so in TGM3, but, like, it's still just, like, just a wickedly, wickedly hard and fast game that despite taking away a lot of niceties in, like, how pieces kick and stuff like that, um, yeah. it's very doable. Um, and keeping those challenges and not giving you everything you wish you had uh, makes the game really um, just really compelling. Uh, TGM3 has the least amount of that because you have like hold pieces and like multi-piece previews and all that stuff. But it's just wickedly fast. So that kind of makes that trade off. Uh, on this list, I had um, while well, I had Tetris or Grandmaster 3, the other thing I listed was uh, No Polimo, which is actually the version I play, which is just like a Java applet that like emulates like all three versions. So that's probably what I would actually want to take. It's like it builds okay, so, up. But, uh, so this is like but, a sort but of if specific I do, modded version. Uh, it's a um, uh, it's a, a version you can play that's not an arcade board. It's not an emulated version. I mean, it's emulated ah, okay. in that it's emulating the rules, but it's oh. not like a ROM emulator. Ah, know. okay. It's okay, a recreation. Okay. Um, but if I had to pick, it would be TGM3 because it's the hardest. That's So what are the ones... I imagine because it's an arcade one, you, you use an arcade stick to play it? Um, I play on keyboard, but I could play on an arcade stick. I can make that adjustment. 
um, arcade. Um, it's like the same with like shmups. Like this, people play shmups only on like keyboards and or uh, joysticks. It it takes a similar movement. Um, you do certain things differently on a keyboard. I played on joystick. Uh, it's fun too. It's uh, a different style. Uh, I think you kind of have to for no, no. You really probably don't have to for GGM three. There are there are advantages to keyboard, but um, yeah, I, okay. I I'm much better on uh, I'm much better on keyboard, but like I'm still pretty good on joystick. So how long do you reckon being you know you have the deserted place that we're going to talk about in a minute that you're going to be sent to? You know you're going to have a good amount of years um, to be getting good at the games that you've chosen at the start of this list. How long do you think it would take you? to reach that grandmaster given your current skill and what you know to be uh what you know to be required to be a grandmaster how long do you think i'm gonna guess like five years at least probably more five but, uh, years. it's hard to tell because yeah and because i'm gonna have like desert island time i still think it's probably gonna take more than five years because <laughs> i'll probably end up playing other things in frustration to like <laughs> coming back to it <laughs> Yeah, so well, I that's think that's good because good. you and have eight even... games to sort of space out. Right. You can take a break from if you get frustrated at you know the Tetris game, you do have the other games to sort of chill out to. Then you can go back to Tetris and carry on trying. That's good. Yes. <laughs> I just when I watch the the speed running then so. When we have like SG, SDGQ, which just happened, and right. uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, and all that kind of stuff, which is the version of Tetris that they're speedrunning? Is it TGM2 or is it, it was like TGM3? Um, no, they were playing over like a super gun and stuff like that. Okay. So, so they're playing actual yeah, arcade so, board. Yeah, if you remember, like that stream took a long time to come up. They're like in setup for a long time. It's because like uh, capturing super okay. guns is really tricky. So. Okay, okay. So when you watch like those people play, like, is it hard for you to follow as well as it is for like normal people like myself? Or can you sort of get a um, good bearing of what's happening? I I have a good bearing through most of it. Uh, the end of those games or when he was playing uh, Charizard mode, uh, which is like was the super crazy one where like the things turned into like the, like the blocks turned into like brackets and stuff like that. Um, those get to the point where I just can't follow them. But if it's like TGM one or two, like I can watch. I like I know my hands aren't as good good enough to like perform. Uh, but they're okay. generally going where I think they should go and stuff like that. So yeah. okay, but like, it's like good. it's combining everything, right? It's like yeah, it's like a lot of things. Like or it's like like I like fighting games. Like if you watch someone play fighting games, like they'll miss stuff yeah. that you think is obvious, but it's because you're not thinking about everything else, like what your hands are doing. <laughs> that it's kind of so. what I thought about, like the way. Yeah, you can sort of visualize it from an outside aspect when you're watching like funny games or yes. mobas and you play those games, you can sort of take a whole picture of what's happening, not actually like putting yourself in the situation of what is really Right. You can follow the players that are Yeah, you can follow the players that are better than you, but you can't you know you can't just do it <laughs> like yeah, you know, I, I get that. Like, you, there is a reason you're not the one on screen playing. It's sort of easy to sort of armchair right, exactly. sit back and be like, well, he should have option select a Shoryuken then or, or something like that. Or, or that's not what I would have done. But when you're, like, in there doing it. So it's amazing to think that these players, that even when you're watching, you can't follow it. Yet those guys are, like, doing it oh, yeah. live with... Yeah, T it blows TGM my mind. It's so amazing to watch. I, it's just incredible to me. 
if you have never checked out this game, too. yeah, for people listening, if you've never checked out this game or you have no idea what we're talking about and everything is going over your head right now, seriously, search the Tetris, the Grandmaster three, search speedruns of it and people playing it like in races. Oh my God. It's just blows your mind. It's so fast. It's so and quick. Then, and yes, and then when you go, get to the uh, end, you have to do the uh, invisible staff roll where yeah. you have to keep playing Tetris, but all the place, pieces disappear. Yeah. Hard game. <laughs> all the, it's just a little, little hard. Just, just people are like robots. It's amazing how just oh, machine-like yeah. in precision these people are. It's incredible. Yeah, there's weird things it's with amazing. it too, though. Like, um, you can tell what blocks are coming by two different um, things in the game. Like, first, like, all the blocks are very, um, very color-coded. So when you see them up top, you can just kind of, you know, squint them. But every time a piece comes down, a tone plays for the next piece and every piece has a different sound so when you're watching people like how do they know what's even coming next that's how they know what's coming next but little details like that 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 make the game playable you just get used to it (laughs) there's not that many pieces crazy i mean i wonder if i could if i was the one being banished i wonder if i could get good i still don't I think this is the kind of game that's just beyond my <laughs> capabilities. But I think that's enough about Tetris now. And I think we're going to talk about blocks, but a different kind of blocks. Yes. Blocks you use to build things. So let's listen to some music about this next game, uh, from this next game. Some very quiet and tranquil music that we've heard a few times on the show prior. And also, let's talk about the place that we're going to be sending Michael to as well. So let's listen to some music and let's dive straight into it. talk about the next game which is also a game associated with blocks and we're going to talk a little bit about the place that we're going to be banishing you to michael um, oh boy and i i know it's a it's a heavy a heavy decision considering you know you're going to be spending the rest of your days there for as long as that may be um but we are kind enough to allow you to choose where it is you're going to be banished. But it has to be from the realms of video games. So it has to be from a video game. With the stipulation that it's going to be deserted. So no NPC characters to help you out. No sort of sentient-like beings that could potentially help you escape. But if you're picking somewhere that has like a wildlife that's dangerous. Or a game that has monsters that could harm you. Well, they're going to be there too. Because that's just part of the nature. Uh, part of the world. Oh, so you wow. have to think a little carefully about it. Um, so if you're thinking of, you know, peaceful, deserted island places from video games, sort of what springs to mind about a place that you would like to visit or stay forever? I don't know. How many islands are there on video games? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be an island. I guess just a, 
just a realm from video games. A nice realm. Just a it could realm be, from video games. It doesn't games. have to be an island. You could count a continent as an island, technically. Because um, I would be like, but, yo, let's just pick a city so I have stuff to do. You can pick a city, be but empty, remember, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be deserted. Yeah, the stipulation is that it's going to be deserted. What do you think? Yeah, I'll just take like I'll just take something from like a city from like Deus Ex or something like that. I haven't even played one of those games. Whatever, just give me a future cyberpunk city, and nothing will work. <laughs> I don't have to scavenge batteries, but at least I'll have I'll have hobbies. You could make I'll like a hobbies. you could go to like a. Do. You could have like a penthouse at the top of a tall skyscraper, and that's right. Like, yeah, I'll be lonely. Like, once the power gives out, I have to take the stairs all the way up. But like, you know, it'll be cool. So, if we're thinking cyberpunk cities, well, the most recent Deus Ex was sort of a European, more style. It was less cyberpunky, I think, if I remember correctly. So maybe Human Revolution, which was the the previous brand new Deus Ex, that was very cyberpunk. Yeah, I think I think that's like the look. That's the look I would want to go for, I think. Okay, so let's say we're sending you to a cyberpunk city from Deus Ex then. You've got your nice little penthouse. Um, well, the next game you're going to be playing in your penthouse for hours melting away is another game about blocks, as we said. It's, of course, probably the most fate. Well, I don't know. There is an argument to say which is I think more Tetris famous is now. more. I think Tetris. I think so, too, but I, think I wonder if we took a soon. poll. I was going to say, I wonder if we took a poll with the people who actually play Minecraft or the majority of the public, if they knew what a Minecraft block was or a Tetris block was, which one would be more recognized? That would be um, really interesting. I think so, too. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to be close, isn't it? Um, but yeah, of course, the next game is a game that's been released on pretty much every platform you can name. It originally released back in 2011. Um, previously before that, there was like alphas and betas, but everyone's been playing it since then. It's had its own convention and just crazy stuff is surrounding this, including the creator himself, who has kind of gone a little crazy. Um, but that's by the by when you've got billions in the bank. It's, of course, Minecraft. Michael, why is the next game that you're taking with you? Minecraft. As, as it is noted on there very specifically, though, it is modded Minecraft. It is modded Minecraft. Uh, I, do like yes. Minecraft. I do like Minecraft quite a bit on its own. If I was younger, just vanilla Minecraft would have destroyed me. But I love modded Minecraft. I love the engineering problems that modded minecraft becomes it totally changes it's a completely different game in my opinion it, you go from a game there it's like oh you kind of like explore and fight stuff where it's like you're setting up infrastructure and just figuring out weird block interactions to automate stuff and stuff like that it's like a more open-ended factorio it's just bananas the stuff that's in modded minecraft um and it's like, a, like, it's like a, it give me an, give me an example thing. of then give me an example then of the little differences that make it like why you would take the modded one over the the normal Minecraft, which pretty much you can also do almost everything in anyway. Okay, so in Minecraft, you dig a tunnel, you get some ore, you get some coal, you put the coal in the furnace, you build the ore, and you make armor. In modded Minecraft. You make something that looks like an oil platform. You make moving frames. You set up a remote-powered digger and use transporting chests to move this, like, move this weird self-replicating oil platform around, dig massive holes in the earth, pull everything up through conveyor belts, 
move these back to your oil platform, sort them by type, and then process everything accordingly. So that's the big difference. Okay. So it's a little more sort of automated, uh, <laughs> helpful. <laughs> uh, but it's like it's automated to the point where you can you're doing stuff for no reason usually. Like, ah, okay, why okay. do I need to make a thing where I have a moving platform that automatically moves everything around and looks like an oil platform? Because it's cool. Like, whatever. Yeah. So it's like so then just tell me, about. Tell me about the stuff that you're building then. In the, if you can sort of get rid of some of the automated process of building, you know, the more mundane stuff. What is like the cool, amazing creations that you're going to be building you know, during your okay, long there's time on mods. The yeah, there are mods in modded Minecraft that are basically just computers. You can build a computer in Minecraft and write Lewis scripts with them and connect to the internet. <laughs> like, you can do crazy stuff with modded Minecraft. I made just for fun, just like this is also a very strategic game because you can play these online, so at least have some ah, form of okay, like okay. interaction. Right? Like, uh, just in one thing, I made, like, an unnecessarily, like, nice, like, shop for people to automatically buy items in a way that is protected and they can't actually get the items. And when you walk in, shop music plays and stuff like that. And just, like, building <laughs> like a little, a little pixels, building a shopkeeper. Like, like a little RPG. Mods. Yeah, like, just making an <laughs> RPG shop. Like, you can just do that. You can do whatever you want. It's, That's awesome. Right? It's like, I'm just going to make for a server. I'm just going to make a a, uh, a rail system that just works like a normal subway anywhere else. And things just go along their, like, daily, like, routine. Like, why? Because it's just a fun engineering problem. Uh, Modern Minecraft's about, cr like, you can just play the game where you're trying to, like, optimize and get everything. But that gets boring. Uh, yes. It's just you have all this cool stuff where you can start thinking of weird engineering problems and solving them. Um, it's nice also on like a on a uh, on a server where you can make um, you can make things that you expect other people to interact with, like weird gambling games and stuff like that, and just trying to come up with like weird ways to use these tools that are given to you that aren't always the most compatible with each other. I try to come up with something where it's like. In emergent gameplay, just trying to create emergent gameplay out of it. It's just there's just so much it's, it stuff. It sounds you can a little like it's just like it sounds like a city builder, like SimCity. It's it sounds more like that than it does Minecraft. Uh, you can do that if you want to. Like there, there's mods that are for building cities. Like, like you know, I'll just I'll just take a zip drive with just whatever mods are released right now. Go and just go crazy forever just like switching mouse trying different configurations and stuff like that um so do you have like a, a modern version sorry sorry please go keep, yeah keep going uh someone made a modded version of minecraft that's basically stardew valley like <laughs> to a ridiculous degree like you know with like npcs and stuff like that it's like what the hell is this <laughs> like that's crazy. So people are just even yeah. essentially making copies of other games and emulating them in Minecraft as mods. Uh yes, they made a um somebody made a uh that just got a got a got a takedown notice. Somebody made and it was around for a long time. It was a um a Pokemon uh mod where you could like capture and battle Pokemon and had like a robust interface for like dealing with your Pokemon and battling them and stuff like that. 
Like, Holy um, crap. I mean, that's more the extreme end of things. But I was like, going to say because I feel like you're you're taking like you know one of those like knockoff cartridges you'd find in like toy stores that is like a hundred and one oh, games yeah. in one cartridge. I feel like you've found the video game equivalent and. You've somehow expanded final games from being one of eight two. games to now like a thousand games. Right. One of two games like that on this list. I have two very good. I think this is one of my better choices. <laughs> it definitely is sort of a weaning your way around the rules of the island kind of way. But it, but it sounds yeah, but very good. Yeah, but if I could just take the mods that are out right now, like just like a give me zip drive. I don't have like individual packs. Like, you know. I don't get to get to play the cool Stardew Valley mod because it's really specific. <laughs> That's fine. Just having the That's mods good. where you just build cool stuff that, it's, you know, it's, it resembles actual Minecraft, but there's just crazy yeah. stuff on top of it. Even if I have to pick one mod pack, yeah. it's like you just pick one of the big kitchen sink mod packs that have almost everything and, you know, go, you know, I would get sick of it periodically, but I feel like that's something where it's like, well, I can always go back to this and try something different. Um. So... Has there been something that you haven't, that you've had in mind to build for a long time that you've not had the time? Like you're like, there's going to be a point where I'm going to sit down, I'm going to d- install this mod, and I have like a plan to like build this thing. Has there been something you've wanted to try for a while that you haven't got around to yet that now you're stuck on a deserted island you can like finally do? Um, I've been wanting to mess around with the computer mods. Like I don't have any exact plans for them. I have a few ideas. Like I said, like I had that mobile self-replicating oil rig that would like expand and mine stuff, um, but yeah. I didn't have a good way to control that. And I was thinking, like, oh, I could just want the computer mods to do this, but now that would take too much programming time that could be spent on Brave Earth. So yes. let me not do that. <laughs> but instead of building a game in a game, I got nothing better to do. Right. <laughs> right. I'll just do that, and I'll just make these like self these moving devices. I mean, the last stupid thing I made was, like, somebody found a, a mountain that looked like a, a big face. And I made a thing that just launched sheep into its mouth. And then it's, like, I gave it, like, eyes and, like, huge eyebrows. And when you fire a sheep in its mouth, it roars and just the eyes spin around. And it's just totally stupid. And it was a lot of fun. It didn't have any practical purposes, but it's just the dumb shit you can do in modded Minecraft. But the dumb shit that works and just when it comes off, it's like a really rewarding, huh? Yes. Look at that. It works. <laughs> that, yes. It gives me of that feeling, feeling of success of solving problems I have when I make games. Only I don't have to go through the hard process of making games. I can procrastinate. I'd still get that like joyous feeling of success. That's it's kind of like releasing a game just in That's good. Kind of. Not really. <laughs> right. And you can, you can get still get that feeling. <laughs> and it's just for you anyway. I'm going to get addicted you, to dopamine, not not accomplish well, anything. Well, when you're on the island and you can't quite make games anymore. I mean, there is a choice That's that not you true. have chosen. That's not that true, is coming we'll get to up. that. We'll get to that, that you still kind of... And I'm very intrigued to hear about it because I have been researching and looking into this thing for a while. So I'm very intrigued to hear about that. But we'll get to that after the next game. So why don't we listen to some yes. music from the next game, which is... a uh, Something I really want to hear about because it's a series I've dabbled in a little bit and I've really enjoyed, but I've never got fully into this series. So very intrigued to hear about it. So let's listen to some kicking rock soundtrack from this next game and let's dive straight into it.
we're jumping in now to the third game on Michael's list. And now we're not talking about engines. We're not talking about building games. We're not talking about getting good at messing with blocks. We're just talking about comboing and kicking people in the face with some amazingly awesome Japanese fighting characters from a series that I've, as I said, dabbled in a little bit prior, but never truly got into uh, until I sort of played the latest well, not the latest version, the version before the latest version of this series. Um, but the next game that my guest Michael has chosen, it is, of course, uh, an Arc Systems Works title that I have to get this right because the problem with these kind of games like Blast Blue and stuff like that is that they have so many different versions that have wildly various names and it's hard to put an order on <laughs> yes. which one is which and make sure... But I believe the version of this game that you've chosen is Guilty Gear Double X Accent Core Plus R. Am I correct? correct. Excellent. Yes. And this game released back in 2012. Um, originally released on the PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and in the arcades here in Japan. And I still see it on some machines here in Japan. Um, but this yes. is the Guilty Gear game that you've chosen. Uh, <laughs> why specifically this version, Michael? And also, why Guilty uh, Gear? This is... Uh, this was a strategic choice because um, the X2 series of Guilty Gear is dead, which is good. Because I could say, hey, I want Revelator Rev 2, and then another version is going to come out. I'm going to have nobody to play with online because you told me I have internet somehow magically. Well, I guess I'm in a cyberpunk city, so. Are you, are you questioning so the, if I the logical be... repercussions of a yeah, fictional let's... deserted place in which I'm going to send you after this, Michael? <laughs> Yes, I am. Okay, so the strategic <laughs> choice with um, Accent Core Plus R is that series is dead, but people still play the game. So I don't okay. have to worry about another update coming, and then all the players are gone. Uh, I also kind of... Um, I'm actually way better at Accent Core Plus R than I am at Exerd, so that helps too. Yeah, so Exerd uh, is the one I'm, I've I'm played actually, a lot um, of. So the original, great, guilt, but, um, the original Guilty Gear X... I played a lot of. That was on the PlayStation 2. I played that a lot yes. in university, and then I jumped and missed... I think I played Street Fighter and Blast Blue, and, and then and then Guilty Gear Exerd came out, and that game was amazing and looks incredible and has all these weird 2D, 3D it animations. It does tricks. look super incredible. Oh, my God. It looks so good. And uh, oh. coincidentally, because of that technology now, DBZ Fighters looks amazing as well. Uh, Ox Systems, it just, looks those better. Guys, it's crazy. It does look better. It, it, I know, which is I mean, just weird. But getting back to uh, the one that you've chosen then. So people still play this game online? Yeah, it's like, um, so I was, good, I, I'm like, I'm going to pick one fighting game because I don't want to go like super crazy with the same stuff all the time on this list. So I'm like, it was a choice between this or Street Fighter 2 Super Turbo. And the logic is the same thing there too, where it's like, Street Fighter 2 is dead, but people still play it. So if I pick yeah. the like, last version of that, I know I'll have people to play forever. Um, but I like Guilty Gear a little bit more. It was the first fighting game I got really good at. And really, it's the one, probably still Axon Core. It's like, it's like, if you're not a named person in Guilty Gear, like, I'm going to beat you at that game. <laughs> it's just, it's a matter of fact. Uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, um, on a regional, on a regional level, I was a really strong player at that game. Yeah. Um, Did you enter tournaments and stuff like yeah. that? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of the guys who were, like, in the um, Northeast things. I was, like, because I didn't go to a lot of, like, uh, I didn't travel to tournaments a lot. So you have these guys in fighting game communities, which are, like, the local guys nobody really knows, but are really good. Uh, yeah. They're never going to be the guys who, like, win the tournaments. But, Not like, gonna win they're the Evo, people that but... will, like, knock. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I was never good enough to get that far. But, um, <laughs> like, there's people where, like, people get, like, knocked out by a nobody in a regional tournament, like who the hell was that? And you have guys like this, like like um, like SoCal has, has tons of people like that. Where people go to like SoCal tournaments, and they're like, "Who did I even lose to?" And there's just these guys who are great and don't travel. That was me and Guilty Gear. Like a lot of the like New York people and Jersey people, is like, "Oh yeah, no, Kane. Kane's like sleeper, really good, uh, and he'll knock people out who you would think he has no right knocking out, who are like traveling to New York and like, who the fuck is this fat ass I just lost?" To? <laughs> I never heard of this guy. It's like, oh yeah, you just lost the I want to be the guy guy. Have fun with that. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, do they like? Do they know that you made I want to be the guy? They're like, hang on, what? You all you the, play all the, the local the people fuck? know. <laughs> yeah, all the no, local people know. Like, like you know, and I would be playing this game with like like Long Island Joe and stuff like that. It's just like really, I would I would brutalize Long Island Joe in this game. <laughs> I, I for anyone him, who doesn't I, know Long Island, I, I, Long Island Joe made top 8 Street Fighter of EVO last year so it's pretty right. amazing Long Island Joe is amazing at every fighting game he plays I have had him put his hands in his his face in his hands just like quietly weeping <laughs> <laughs> I mean if we play Street Fighter Joe's just gonna the, the worst ass beating I ever gotten a fighting game and i've played against like justin wong and stuff like that like justin yeah. wong doesn't give you an ass beating just justin wong just like slowly Does... sands you away <laughs> but like i played street fighter 3 with long island joe against cesurian i have never been beaten so viciously in a fighting game before <laughs> it was the, i played it was like a combo video i played against ryan hart in the uk oh ryan hart's really good for... too yeah and um uh, i it's essentially the same story. I just, I wasn't even playing. I don't even know why I put my hands on the controller. There's just no <laughs> point. It's just so bad. I got beaten so badly. Yeah. But like, uh, like, so that's a game like I have like real credentials in. Like there's people, in the, some people in the community who know who I am. Uh, and, you know, it's like, that's a game where it's like, it's a deep enough game that I could, you know, just play it for a long ass time. That's uh, And, really and the thing is like, here. You could then be you could build up the reputation online. Like having having this is the good thing about final games that we've come to learn over the time of the show is that the time allows you in this sort of age of competitive esports to now become better. And you can sort of make a yes. name for yourself online as this who is this mysterious player who no one knows of because he has no Twitter or Facebook or anything and he exists on a deserted island in the middle of a space realm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Until I find a way to update my Twitter through modded Minecraft. <laughs> and then and then you have to execute then you execute me remotely with like a bomb. It's like, no, you're breaking the rules, man. I'm gonna be monitoring. I monitor all the guests. I'm gonna be right? making sure that like you can't connect to Twitter through open computers, you cheating <laughs> bastard. You also can't like invite people into these worlds that you play online on Minecraft and then just spell out in blocks like have an automated system that spells <laughs> right. out the coordinates of the, the islands. Help like me. That. 
<laughs> just help me constantly SOS <laughs> just have all various types like spell SOS or have Morse code or have the coordinates spelled out yeah I'm going to be monitoring I'm going to be making sure you're going to be a good boy and you're just going to be good at Guilty Gear that's all you're going to do this is the mistake you made by allowing people to choose online games you're going to have people playing like Overwatch crouching in Morse code we talked about that once we talked about like firing bullets <laughs> into a wall in sort of Morse code and that kind of thing it's intriguing to find out how people... But the thing is, the more guests we have and the more ways they try and think, I get better at understanding They're empowering the you, telltale right. signs of someone trying to escape. It sounds like nobody's escaped yet, so I think you're pretty good at your job. 61 episodes so far, including this one, but you are the first who's been a little no more survival. sneaky than the rest. Oh. <laughs> so, kind of... Talking about fighting games, and obviously we've just had Evo, literally ended mm-hmm. today with the Street Fighter Finals. Yes. How come, you know, you were very heavily in the scene playing like Guilty Gear and stuff like that in terms of, you know, playing like Long Island Joe and Justin Wong and all these players. How, how come you haven't, do you play the newer games? You know, like Street Fighter Five and what's popular now, we have like uh, Tekken 7 and that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a 2D fighter guy, so I've skipped... Uh like Tekken and stuff like that, but um, I played a, I played a bunch of Street Fighter Four. Um, the thing then was just like um, like there's a time where I had like the the most amount of free time to do stuff before I felt guilty because I should be working on my game. Um, <laughs> where I would go to tor- local tournaments a lot, uh, yeah. and then I had a period like a few years ago, like a year or two ago, like right before Xrd came out, where um, I started going to locals again, and I was like, hey, it's Ken, and you know we were playing X and Corp Plus R. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I entered like tournaments there and stuff like that. It's like, I just hate traveling and stuff like that. I'm a really bad traveler. So that's why okay. I, I, that, that immediately, that immediately sets your, like how good you're going to be. If you don't hey, you travel, made it to you Japan, you, you came to Bit Summit. You made it all the way to Japan. That's <laughs> oh pretty Oh my good. God, I almost died. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk to Dan at all about like what a nightmare I was <laughs> like before the trip? <laughs> Were you freaking all out? All the heart attack, mini heart attacks. Oh my God. I hate traveling. I hate I hate fly. Well, it's not that I hate flying. I actually love flying. I hate um, being on an airplane, crowded with a bunch of people. Well, unfortunately, like, I've like flown on, in Cessnas, right? But I've like flown in like Cessnas and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's cool. Uh, <laughs> so, like, how, in ter- actual airliners in terms, are just uh, in terms of getting you to the island, then getting you to the city. How are we going to get you to the city? The deserted, you know, the deserted city. How are I we going to get I'll you? I'll just there? have to deal with it. Look, you're already kidnapping me. I don't think I have much of a choice here. Just don't, just, um, just don't make me sit next to anybody. Well, there is no one. That's it's fine. just you. Right. Well, I mean, on the plane. So I'm the only one on the plane. I'll be fine. That's good then. Then we can make sure then. Right. Yeah. That no, that's fine. Everything is sorted for you, and that turns. I can just. Uh, okay. I'll just lay across the middle row, take a nap. It'll be great. See that if that was the case. Like, if I had, like, first-class tickets going everywhere, I'd be like, yeah, who cares? Like, that's fine. <laughs> you need to get Dangan on it. Next time you come to Japan, be like, Naya and Dan, come on. premium economy. Oh, that's <laughs> like, good. It's like, that's the, yeah, that's the deal I had to make, because I said, like, uh, like, no, I'm not going. Like, it's like, oh, the seats are, like, too much. It's like, what if we give you premium economy? I'm like, yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> I don't need a nice thing. I just need more leg room. It was fine. So... Now you have traveled to Japan and you've traveled a bit further and all that kind of stuff. Are you going to get back into doing local tournaments if you were not hypothetically going to a deserted island? I might after Brave Earth is released if I wasn't on a deserted island. 
but th- that's my plan. Like probably after the, I think most people when they finish releasing their game, they have like a decompression time. Yeah, I'll probably start to... doing like showing up at locals again and and playing uh, Revelator. Um, oh, so you'll stop playing the new Guilty Gear? Yeah, no, I like uh, Exert, and I played Exert. Uh, my problem with it is just I never settled on a main, and they added my like I'm a Johnny player, and they added Johnny to um, Revelator. But I, I was gonna say yeah, Johnny plays in it. Because he, oh, they made I, him so boring. But didn't the guy who won Guilty Gear win with Johnny this year? Uh, they or, made him oh. good, but he's boring. They okay. just made him do a Everyone was playing with Johnny. Okay, like if we're gonna talk shop about fighting games, the cool thing about Johnny in Guilty Gear is, um, basically, you can deal a lot of damage. You can knock the other guy down, or you can land a coin, which is a coin that powers up the thing that allows you to do most of your combos. And depending on how good you are and how much you capitalize on any given situation, you can do one, two, or three of these at the same time. And the skill ceiling for doing this is so high that nobody just ever always does it. Like, when somebody manages to get their, like, recoin, high damage, knockdown combo in Axon Core, it's like, holy shit, that's awesome. Um, And usually you only have to settle, you have to make that decision strategically when you hit somebody. What am I going to go for? What's more important right now? Um, okay. In uh, Revelator, um, I don't know if you watched that, but like Johnny would land a coin once, and after that, he'd never lose his charge because every combo he does, he's gonna recoin you, do a good chunk of damage, and knock you down. Hundred percent of the time, every time. That's just yeah, that's boring. <laughs> I like characters that have I like characters that have flaws. And like I, I'm okay with him being good. I'm not a low tier hero. Like he can be really good. But um, I like, even with my top tier characters, I like when they have, like, you know, I have to make trade-offs. I have to work for something, you know? Yeah. Like, I'd rather him be, like, strong in, like, one really specific way and have all these other weaknesses. And that, like, one strength makes him viable. Which used to be his damage, because he just did, like, ass loads of damage. Like make, which is why I had the, fun with him. Cause... Making the character interesting to play. No, like have it, giving them a sort yes. of thing that is different from every other character that makes that one character special that you work hard yeah. at doing and learning about. Yeah, I, I yeah. Can if get... I had one criticism with modern art system works, is their character designs have become more like they fit molds more. Like a lot of the um, original Guilty Gear characters are kind of like weird. Faust. Tweener characters. Faust. Right. Or like even like um like even like like Venom, where you make like the pool balls and stuff like that. And like, you know, he's still yeah. an actor core. He's still uh he's still as he should be. But like if you look at the yeah. new characters they make, like every time they make a, a keep away ranged projectile character, they they're always like either like puppet characters or like satellite characters where it's like there is oh, a yeah, lot my of floaty puppet sword. characters. Yeah. Blast yeah. Blue suffers. Where it's from like that. Yeah, that's my big issue with, like, Blue. Like, everybody f- almost... I don't know about the newer games. Like, I only followed Blue for a while. So they're I don't still the like same, pretty much. versions of the game I haven't played. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're but, pretty like, much the yeah, same. You either are... have characters that have satellites that they put in the sky and they shoot lasers or something like that. Or you have characters that lay things on the grounds that shoot things. Or you have puppet-type characters that have almost like a JoJo-type yeah. stand that fights for them. Or you have characters very with similar. no range that rush you down. Yes, they have like, like little T Rex. They all have like a dash attack. And <laughs> That's like kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They they definitely. Yeah, like they, you look at I like mean, Venom. visually, visually the designs are all very unique and distinctive. Oh, they look great. That's what's pretty yeah. great. But yeah, they play very similar in a lot of areas. But that's kind of like a lot of fighting games, you know, Shoto type, car- type yeah, you, characters in Street at, Fighter. Yeah, 
But you look at like Venom and Guilty Gear, and he's kind of a little bit good at everything, but not great at everything. Like he has a super unique projectile game that can be really, really good, but is a lot of time less good than others. People at, at uh, maintaining keep away pressure. Yeah, he has mix up, decent mix up, and he has great pokes. Even though, like you know, he has a little bit of everything, but okay. none of it's so good that like. Like, it's weird, and all his weaknesses come from, like, weird spots. Like, his, his normals are a little slow, which is his big um, his big flaw. Like, when you get in on him, he's hard to – he's you'll have a hard time uh, knocking you off, but he does all this other cool stuff. It's like – I don't feel like you would get a character like him anymore, and the only reason we still have him in Guilty Gear is because he already existed. So that's my only problem. And they – they, they might swing after a few years and be like, hey, you know what? Our characters have gotten a little mechanically boring. Like, let's try and make these weird tweener characters again, you know? <laughs> but who knows? Well, it's not enough for me not to like the games because their games are still great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But the thing is, all you have to worry about is, you know, Accent Core plus our, like, the ridiculously right. named version it's a that you've chosen. dead game, and I know I like it. To take with you to the desert island, you can get good at that, and it's good because you can right. still play online. It's not like you're just playing in tutorial mode, uh, in like practice mode, over and over again, rinsing combos and that kind of thing. At least you can test your skills out after your hard yes. work on the island with Johnny. So that's good. But we're going to move on now. We're going to go back to sort of trying to cheat the system of the island and, <laughs> and, and figure out ways of getting around my rules, my hard-earned rules. And I'm not quite sure what to do for music in terms of this. I don't know if it has music. I don't know anything about this other than I really kind of want to test it out and play with it. I enjoy looking at things on Twitter about it, um, but I've yet to sort of get deep into it. Um, so let's mm-hmm. listen to something related to this next thing. And then let's, of course, let's talk about it. So the next, not a game, that Michael is going to take with him, and this is kind of like a weird, gray area of the show. Like it's not a game, but it's not a console either. It's not a sister. I, I'm, I'm not quite. I'm. It's a kind of an engine, but it's a vir- almost like a virtual machine as well. Uh, I'm not really sure yes, where this. Yes, it's a gamified sits. engine. Yes, um, it's like a game, but a game where you build games under certain limitations as well. Um, created by yes, very Lexilofic. strong limitations. Yeah, very very strong limitations. Um, it's by Lexilofia Games. It's designed to sort of mimic, uh, like, fantasy game console. Like, if you were making a game, uh, if you were playing a game that had like a game maker in it, and you could make like little tiny games, 
Um, this is what this mm-hmm. is. Um, the coding is sort of through a Lua-based environment in which users can sort of make sounds, sprites, games, and uh, it is limited to a 128 by 128 pixel, 16 color display. It looks lovely, and I really am intrigued by it. So this is called Pico 8. Now, Michael, why why are you replacing one of the spots on your eight games list with a sort of fantasy game console? Okay, so this serves two purposes. So first off, it's great to be able to make games. Even if I have... Um, so it's just really fun to have this thing where I can... It's kind of like ZZT or Megazix that I was talking about earlier. It's just like this really limited system that you can make small games in. Uh, the cartridge size is limited, so you can't even make huge games. Like No, yeah. It really encourages you to make like these like short, fun, neat games. And the other thing that's cool about it is it has a built-in BBS that allows you to download games other people have made and upload games of your own. So I can make content, even though I cannot secretly embed my coordinates in an undeclared variable, because uh, that would uh, get me in trouble. I could still at least put creative content out there where people would be like, who is this strange person that we don't know about? And I can also play these small games in perpetuity. And I could even um, I could even write weird, like, cute applications in it to help me keep track of my rooftop farm and how fast plants are growing and how much water I have. I'm sure I can make applications in it too. It's just, it's a gamified programming environment that just, that's something that I could make use of for years and years and years and years and years. It's not even just to cheat the system. It's just all, you're right. It's just like, just the sheer amount of time that this allows me is, um, even if I didn't have the BBS, even if I could just make stuff for myself, yeah. I'd still like, you know, that's just a really, really good time investment. And it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I don't make a lot in Pico 8 because it's like, I should be working on my actual game. You should be making that game. So that it would be made. good. <laughs> right. I like this so running theme great to have of distractions. A <laughs> yes. So now I'm not distracted anymore, so now I can make Pico 8 games. And they won't take me five or six years because they can't. (laughs) So what are the sort of things that you've built in Pico 8 so far then? Because I look at it every time because I follow like Lex Lofay, the creator of it, on Twitter. And he's always posting or retweeting stuff that people have made. And it always looks so fun and reminds me of like Game Boy games and that kind of stuff. And I really, really like it. Um... But tell me sort of the stuff that you've played with so far or built, because I'm really intrigued to try it See, myself. Personally, personally, myself, I've only made like a basic I Want to Be the Guy engine, and I haven't done much with it yet, because again, like... Like a miniature version of I Want to Be the Guy. Yeah, well, just like the, the basic engine. Like, I didn't make the content for it yet. Ah, okay, uh, okay. But I have that there. But it was like one of the things that I got to a certain point, it's like, I should be working on Brave Earth right now. But, you know, I got, it work, I got a working platform engine and stuff like that, and I was making sound effects and stuff and having fun with it. But I love just going on the BBS and just playing random games. So, like, a few years ago, one of my favorite things to do to waste time was I would load up Happy Wheels. And the fun thing about Happy Wheels is just seeing, like, hey, the, what are these random kids doing like what do they what do they think game design is? What are some um, funny <laughs> experimental things they're doing? And most of it was complete and utter crap because it's Happy yes. Wheels. And every once in a while there'd be something super clever. Okay. Um, so pick a weights like that with a much better signal to noise ratio for me, where I can go in there and I can just be like, just see all these like short ideas, and a lot of them are like bad, 
but have like a lot of heart and creativity in them where they're trying. And like someone just tried an idea out, they put it out there. Maybe it did good, maybe it did bad. It doesn't matter. It's interesting to see like the experiment somebody did. You know, somebody didn't waste like five years of their life on something that wasn't that great, or even something that was great. Like, hey, I played I played a game recently that was just a an Adventures of Dizzy fan game. Uh, Dizzy just the um the the egg where you the, the the egg yeah, yeah. that's a stupid egg platformer. Um, <laughs> Very old now. I don't, it felt like a Dizzy game. The only thing it had that didn't make it feel like a Dizzy game is it didn't have the dumb thing where, like, if you jump from certain heights and you land on your head, you roll. That's the only thing it was missing. Which is good, because that other was Other than annoying. that, it felt like... Yeah, it was really dumb. So I didn't miss that one bit. <laughs> so, um, I played, like, cool adventure games in it. Um, somebody made a recreation of, like, the first few le- uh, levels from uh, Alone in the Dark. Like, a 3D game in it which is just incredible it's a despite wow. all these limitations it's amazing how? to pull that off how did yeah it's like i don't know by 128 pixel base H- how did they do that it's crazy so people do like cool show off tech demo stuff like that which is really cool people also make like just really legitimately fun games like there was a game i was playing that was like you're a spider and you build webs yeah. to catch insects and my friend's watching me play this for the first time. And every level, it looked like the scale was getting weirder and weirder. Like, am I getting bigger? And by, like, then there's a level where it's, like, all of a sudden I'm, like, crawling across buildings catching giant insects. And then, like, the last level, like, I'm jumping between, like, planets and the solar system making giant webs to catch space aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the game's older, I'm, like, just floating through, like, space bumping into galaxies and getting points and I can't even do anything. It's just like a goofy, funny concept that like, you know, I played for like 20 minutes that, you know, the person who made it, like, I don't know. They certainly spent a decent amount of time on it, but nothing crazy. No more than a month, probably. Yeah. Maybe more than that. If they only had like spare time here and there, but like not a lot of man hours. And it was just like, it's just good for everybody. Everybody got to have a good time because of that game. It's just the whole point of that of the Pico system, really, isn't it? It's to make these yeah. experiments. It's nothing long form. It's always sort of prototype stuff, I think, most of the time, seeing what you can do with the limitations, which is really intriguing because people then just don't take it very seriously and they just make crazy, yeah. weird things. And you can get a kind of complete game experience in it. Like, not, not complete, complete, but, like, people make things where it's like, hey, this is a good thing with a beginning, middle, or end. Or there's something that, like, plays, like, an arcade game, like a Golden Age arcade game. Like, someone made, like, a Bubble Bobble, cl- like, clone. Yeah. It had, like, different rules, but it was very – if you played it, you'd be like, oh, this is very Bubble Bobble-like. And it was just, like, really charming and cool, and there wasn't a lot of stages, but, like, I put, like, a few hours into it. Like, and this is just one of the games on the BBS. So That's amazing. It's just super cool. So I would have something where at least until the game dies, I could just fucking refresh and be like, hey, what's <laughs> on here today? And just see what people are doing. So not only have you taken one 1,001 cartridge, you've taken two 1,001 cartridges games. So I think this is games. This is more like every game under the sun ever made yeah. to an island. Right. I feel like this is like – I feel like modded Minecraft – is less that than what you said the first time. Cause like there's like kind of like a spirit of modded Minecraft where it like feels like one game except for these weird side games. But this a hundred percent is what you're saying right now. This is the cheat multi-cart choice. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is as close to a multi-cart as I can get and feel like I have ground to stand on. 
I'm going to have to consult the rules book and get back to you on this one, but it does sound very intriguing. And I am, I think I will allow it just because of my own personal vested intrigue in Pico 8 and what nice. I kind of want to experiment with. So you've, you've, it's super fun. You've appealed to the boss master's heart in this, in this case, and he'll yes. allow such things, <laughs> but we're going to move on now to the next four. Of the Deserted Island. And we're going a bit less... Yeah, these are my passion games. Yeah, the passion picks. The less long-form, long-time. Um, but now, sort of, the nostalgic. The Natsukashi... Yes. Long passion... Pro- uh, not projects, but passion games that inspire us. Um, so why don't we listen to some wonderful music from the first of the four. Ooh, yes. Some truly excellent music from Koji Kondo. And let's dive straight into it. So kicking off the last four on Michael's list then, the sort of passion picks that he has chosen, we're going to go straight with one of the greatest greatest games of all time, one of the true hallmarks of the beginning of 3D of video games, developed by Nintendo EAD and directed, of course, by Miyamoto-san, you know, Koizumi-san, who is now sort of, you'll recognize more and more as we see Switch games and uh, Mario Odyssey, Koizumi is sort of the face of uh, the Switch at the moment, and of course, Tezuka Takeshi. We, of course, have the Nintendo 64 flagship title that released back in June of 1996. It is, of course, one of the greatest 3D platformers of all time, Super Mario 64. Michael, why is the first passion pick that you're taking with you Super Mario 64? Because this game is great, and I love it, and I also speedrun it. <laughs> so... Oh, okay. Okay, and this is intriguing. You've got a lot of intriguing uh, things behind these picks that appeal to me as a person. <laughs> this is how you get yes. away with this stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me then, obviously, I think it's self-explanatory why Super Mario 64, and anyone who's listening to such a niche show like Final Games will sort of understand why Super Mario 64 is so special. But in terms of like picking it passionately then, and comparing that to speed running it, um, it's got like a dual purpose. Yeah, exactly. Um, this And the skill level for this game, this is a game I legitimately love casually, and I legitimately love as a speed game, and I only I only speed run at 16 stars. So even what I know now, it's like, there's a whole, like, how long would it take me to get good at speed running 120 stars? Like, that would take forever, and that would be great. Um, how, how, how fast? It's just a game where... How... how how do you balance like doing it casually and not breaking it when you know you could break it to then 
you know, doing no, no, the no, no, see, see, that's the mistake you're making. Um, the fast and the break, like, I'm going to break the game. <laughs> like, that's not a question. If I'm playing the game casually, I'm going to do stuff I'm not supposed to do because I know I can. Ah, um, okay. I do that with every game I play. As soon as I know how to break a game, I'm going to have fun breaking it. <laughs> the only thing is, I'm just not in a hurry. That's true. Now you have all the time in the world. This is true for a lot of games on this list. The the last, four, I, I think this applies to every game on this list, <laughs> At, like past year. This and the I like last this. three games are all games I know how to break quite a bit. So there's all sorts of weird experimenting I can do. All sorts of weird, like, hey, can I get away with like pulling this off? Um, there's so many glitches that have weird consequences. They're hard to pull off. That would be fun to just mess with. Um, it's just like on all many levels, there's just so many ways to waste time in Super Mario 64. I could just like surf on the turtle for like an hour. Or <laughs> I could I put serious time into just trying. <laughs> yeah. Even now, even now when I go back and I play it like casually and take my time, I still get intrigued. Like, ah, just writing on this turtle shell is enjoyable in a way for as, that is For as long as simple, possible. But It's like yeah, a game in itself like, as well, because if you hit something, you fall off it. You have to just last for as long as yeah. you Yeah. It's a mini game. And it's like you can think about all the games. Like, I could be playing Tony Hawk or something right now, but okay, <laughs> playing great. Super Mario 64. <laughs> yeah, Super Mario 64. The level design in Super Mario 64 is just so open ended. Uh, it's something I miss. It's something I'm hoping for in Odyssey, um, where it's just like, yeah, you can just go around and do things however you want. Like, that sort of just no fuck one around. Way to get anywhere. Yeah, just fuck around, fuck do around what you game. wish as Mario. So then, talking about speedrunning, um, how mm-hmm. fast could you do it? And oh, it's how do you remember? How do you remember all of the crazy stuff that you have to do? Like the one thing I've always been fascinated about speedrunning games like Zelda and Mario is they have like certain sequences that you have to remember to do at certain times even though it takes like an hour or two hours and mentally that must be taxing as hell ah it's like okay so i said this with like fighting game combos too where it's like anything that you do like that it's like you remember it because it makes sense once you know what you're doing like when it's like figuring it out's the hard part like when you figure out like why am i even doing this how does this work but then eventually it's like hey wait okay I remember how this works now. And it's just okay. like it sticks with you when you like kind of understand mechanically why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and you'll still forget stuff. Like like if I pick up Mario 64 now and I try to like do 16 stars, like I would get through it with 16 stars. But there'd be parts where it's like, wait, how do I do this again? Oh, OK. Wait, I got this. You know, it would take me a, a few moments to orient my, myself or remember like tricks for consistency that I have like when I'm like running the game a lot. Yeah, because I'm always on like on and off with that. Um, but um, 16 stars, I think I never broke the 20 minute mark. I think mine's like either 21 or 23 minutes, which is relatively slow for um, 16 stars. Crazy! Like, yeah. I wish I could do stuff like that. I feel like we found oh, out. Oh, you what, could though. It's you, not that hard. I guess it would just take practice and, and sort of some dedication to that. But I feel yeah. like what what has happened through talking about the stuff that you are interested in, like, you know, going to tournaments in Guilty Gear, um, playing around with mods and building stuff in Pico and stuff, and also speedrunning Super Mario. I think we found out what you were doing in between I Want to Be the Guy and Making Brave Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, oh, we found the secret. The found the secrets of the... Oh, where it, all that time went. <laughs> the Tetris Grandmaster and all that kind of stuff. I like I like getting good at stuff. Um, 
You sound like you're very good at a lot of things. Yes. I'm one of those people who's like, I'm not the best at anything. I do at all. I'm one of those like, you know, I'm a jack of all trades like that. But, um, yeah, basically, basically any game I play, like I, that, um, I go back to, I've, um, I have, I usually have some surprising tricks for people. I like having games I can pull out where I can almost like do like, Mario 64 is like a party trick game where someone's like, oh, you have an N64? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, give it to me real quick. Yeah, let, hook that up. And then I'll do that like in front of a bunch of people and be like, what the hell? Biz on those fun. dudes. <laughs> yeah, that's like, great. I'll show like, you this. I, I have that. Mu- <laughs> yeah, I have that run memorized like in my heart. That's like that's amazing. Op- not, not not optimistic. I don't remember all the optimizations. Like, right, like I'll be slower. But like if I picked up a game now, like right now, I would beat the game in under a half hour. You know, it's that it's that extra like ten minutes that like the difference between being um, warmed up and not being warmed up. So um, when when you play games like Super Mario sixty four and you speed run them and you break them and that kind of stuff and you you're playing around with them, even if you have an immense love for them, great games. In terms of like people speed running, I want to be the guy because you know that's happened quite a oh, few I times love it. now. Like. It, can you do it as well? Like, I do you think you're? Uh, like- no, I can't speedrun my game. I don't think it mix. I don't think it fits my skill set. Okay. Um, because my skill set is like, um, despite the game I made, I'm not super precise. Like certain people are like robots. Yeah. Uh, Precision machines. Like, um, right, but like I, I'm good at like understanding things. And I have pretty decent, like, I, I don't have robotic execution. I have, I have, like, solid execution. So, but I my strength is just understanding how the stuff works and being able to retain it and then, like, um, being able to optimize. Like, I'm really good at, like, doing something, like, 50 times and just doing it slightly different every time and then figuring out what adds to consistency and what doesn't and, like, figuring out habits and stuff like that that help. Um, you know, while some people can just, like, pin something down right away. Yeah. But, you know, you know, different skill sets. So I think for like um, the super precision people are like, do I want to be the guy? Um, the guy who has the world record currently, I think in both categories, just beat the game on, you know, impossible, like less than a week ago. So there's been like five or six people who beat the game in, in uh, on impossible. And I remember when I released the game, I said like, I will know the game made it. If people beat the game on impossible. And it's happened more than enough. Have you so. have you done that? No. Because I was going to say, no. one thing I did want to ask you is about balancing difficulty. Because obviously you purposely made the game wanting it to be extremely difficult. But you must have got to a point where you'd beaten the game enough to know how difficult. As someone who is good at games as well, oh, yeah. anyway. So... How did you sort of balance that? And then you made, you know, you made the various difficulty degrees. And then I wondered if you'd beaten Impossible, personally. No, no, no. I've maybe gotten three or four bosses in. Uh, Again, like I said, like, super precise precision isn't my specialty. I can get through the game pretty (laughs) fast. Not, like, speedrunner fast, but, like, you you know. You know, it'll it'll take me a few tries to get through stuff. But, you know, I can push through the game pretty fast. Nothing's going to really catch me up except for maybe the... uh, the the uh, Bowser boss, I hate that boss. If I remade the game now, I would change that boss completely. I don't think anybody <laughs> likes that boss. It's just slow and takes forever. And like the only hard part of it is the last part, <laughs> where the yeah the, the uh, wily and the balls. Um, <laughs> I hate that boss so much. Um, and no, I when I released greatest. the game, 
when I released the game, game, yeah, when I released the game, I didn't even beat the guy. I like I tested each phase of the guy, but I never beat the guy in one go when I released the game. How did you I, know I if it's even possible? Then? Somebody did for. Um, somebody did it. One of my testers. Oh, did okay, it. okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I was gonna say. Um, I feel like now, like when I've I've played through the game re- again, like two years ago, maybe, and the guy didn't take me that long. It took me like one or two hours. That's but, not too uh, bad. The first time I did it, it took me like it took me like three or four hours. Yeah, he's the the guy is harder than anything else in the game by like a wide margin. Yeah, that's crazy. I I've always wanted obviously making a game right now. The game I'm making is sort of a Twitch. I don't know how to describe it. kind of auto scrolling platformer where you you know have to jump over things at various timing uh, at, but you have to change the size of your character to jump over different sized objects and obstacles <laughs> and that kind of thing um and I made a level uh of a sort of the, the the prototype level I made that I was testing out all the mechanics in I was like okay I can do this within 20 tries which is pretty good because it's pretty quick uh, and then I got it down to like I could pretty do I could do it in five, but then when like the first couple of people played like the level, it took them like three hundred tries, and I, I'm like, <laughs> yes. So I can do it in five; they can do it in three hundred. What's the varying degree of how do I tone the difficulty down but not make it so it's too easy that someone who's played it as many times as I have will get it within like five or six goes and then recently i sort of remade well, it nice... and i got it i got it to i can do it in one but everyone else takes about an average of about 20 or 30 tries so i feel like that's pretty good but yeah it's hard i wondered about I think like that's... balancing i think that's the thing to um to do is like if you can do it consistently as a creator um but just like barely that's generally where it becomes it's challenging for other people. Uh, and you might change that. Like you learn like different things. Like it doesn't apply to everything like that. Like there's certain yeah. points in Batports like like even I'll struggle with it. But it's like certain certain struggles are like more universal. And certain people will deal with things better than you will and stuff like that. But yeah, that's actually yeah. that's the baseline I used for I want to be the guy. Like almost everything I put in the game, it's like I could do it consistently. I might not be able to do it all consistently in a row. But it, like, if something was so hard that I couldn't do it consistency, consistently while testing it, it was definitely too hard. And then okay. even then, certain things might have been easier, needed to be easier. And then just having testers, like, you're never going to know until you have testers. Like, Yeah. So I've recently started getting, like, people playtesting it, like, having people yeah. try it and getting sort of what the average is at how long it takes, like, people who are good at video games to do it, like, people who play video games and have like Twitch reactions kind of thing, how long it takes those guys to do it on like first try or that kind of thing. And so building up a okay, sort of understanding. The other problem is, yeah. the other problem with that is how much they die actually doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, when do they get frustrated? Which yeah. Which be two very different numbers, which is the other hard thing to say. So like even if you have that assumption, it's like, oh, people aren't dying that much. That's good. Yeah. But it's like maybe it's boring. Maybe when they died 300 times, they were engaged. I'm um, mm. thinking dying 300 100 times, probably not. But it can be true in some games. So, yeah. So I had someone like, yesterday who It could be true like of, Super Meat Boy. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like what it is. Like the, the whole point of the game is that you can restart immediately. Like as soon as you 
the the same yes. but the button is the same for jump as it is for restart so when you die it's the same button you just instantly want to press it again and go again and then it, it immediately throws you back into the level and you 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 try again um and i could see it on one guy's face yesterday it was like his 30th attempt and i could i could see like the sort of grimace of frustration that was building but Every time he died, he just like hit the button really hard. Like, I want to go again. Like, I'm going to keep doing it until I beat it. And I was like, that's kind of exactly what I <laughs> yes, want to go good. for. That's good. Yeah. I felt, ah. Yeah. Uh, like, um, Brave Earth used to have lives. And I remember, like, I, I got rid of them because, like, not that I think, like, lives are bad. I think lives are a mechanic that can still be useful now. But I realized I was designing the game in a way where it's like, no, this is an iterative try game. Like, and I am more empowered to make ridiculously hard stuff later in the game if you don't have to replay a stage again <laughs> yeah it's built on checkpoints so, right like like yes yeah because the build i played had checkpoints and you would it was almost segmented and you would tackle a segment at a time and i kind of really liked yeah. that because you would learn about that specific segment which was great it wasn't like oh i died at this boss now i have to go all the way back and i get to this point again and i try it it was like I'm going to try and beat this segment. And then once I beat that segment, I don't have to worry about it again. I can move on to the next segment and carry on and deal with that and relearn about that. Segment. Yeah. And the later, yeah. And the later segments of the game are, uh, they get kind of long, not like super long, but like, like the first stage is super generous. And then after that, like, you'll get like, like, you, you know, a decent length. So it's like, you do still get that iteration but you don't have that like fear of experimentation which is what sometimes lives can give you okay or it's like you don't want somebody being afraid of like and like i made my bosses in a way where it's like how you deal with them is not always clear so being screwed over because you know you didn't have enough time to like experiment or you didn't you're afraid of going back it's like that can kill motivation so yes. like certain more straightforward games can get get uh, get away with lives, but you don't want people like solving a puzzle basically when you have lives. Yeah, so that was definitely a change I made because it's like so balancing frustration. It can be tricky. I mean, it may not apply as much, but speaking of you know Super Mario sixty four, that is a game with lives, and then with the the sort of I would say spiritual successor to Super Mario sixty four. Truly, not so much Sunshine, but being Super Mario Odyssey. Um, They've done away with lives completely in Super Mario Odyssey, and I, I don't, I don't quite understand because Mario has never been, especially three D Mario games, they've never been the most difficult games. Like the repercussions that would have, like it's, people seem to be making a big deal that Super Mario Odyssey didn't have lives. How do you sort of feel like a game yeah, like Super Mario sixty four doesn't have any lives? It really doesn't. When you run out of lives in Super Mario sixty four, it's irrelevant. You restart at the beginning of the castle and you have to take the walk of shame <laughs> like that's all like so I, yeah i'm the same I'm like why are you guys getting like upset about this the only thing you're missing is like the wonderful one-up mushroom da, da, i'm sure da, da, they'll da, da, still da, da. find a way to have that do something yeah and you've got the da, 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 and that's kind of it but you could have that with the coins anyway so yeah right so it's it's weird yeah, no, but it then like in a, games like, like right decision yeah yours is more sort of and i mean we might get into said game but, you know, yours is more like Dark Souls, a game that doesn't have yes. lives. It's segmented sections that you tackle, you learn, you die, you start from that segment again, you try, you get to, you beat that segment, and then there's a new segment that you have to start playing from now. Yeah. Well, Dark Souls, Dark Souls is 3D Castlevania, so <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. 
But I think... I mean, that basically is what it is. We have a few games that are very relevant to the conversation we're having right now. I think it's about time we move on to the next game. Um, we yes. sort of spoke a little bit about um, this sort of series in tangent with, you know, Castlevania as well. So let's listen to some very creepy but beautiful music from one of the Super Nintendo's finest games. Let's listen and let's dive straight into the next game on Michael's list. So the next game on Michael's list, developed by Nintendo R&D One and Intelligent Systems, directed by the wonderful Sakamoto-san himself, it released back in 1994 in, in Japan in March, and then a couple of months later in NA and PAL regions as well. It's the side-scrolling action game that has, alongside Castlevania, sort of spawned a whole host of indie spin-offs and spiritual successes and all that sort of stuff. It is, of course, one of the Super Nintendo's finest games. Super Metroid. Michael, why is Super Metroid the I, next game that you're taking with you? I love this game so much. <laughs> this is my go-to. This is it. This is Until the Dark Souls line. came out. This is the opening line yes. for every game that you've chosen, isn't it? For the, <laughs> the next three. No, 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 no. This is... Um, this is... This was my go-to favorite game until the last game on this list. Okay. Like if someone asked me, like, what's your favorite game? Super Metroid. Um, and it was a game where it's like, for the long time, even though the game does have its flaws, like, the closest thing for me, it was a cl- game that closest to me represented a perfect game that did everything it wanted to do as well as it could have done it. Um, just the way the map is, it's one of the best Metroidvania maps to ever exist. I'm a big fan of just, like, map layout. I am passionate about map layout. When I make a Metroidvania, I don't know if I'm succeeding, but my goal is to make one of the best 2D maps for a game to ever exist. Like, yeah, that that would be because it's just something I care about, and you know, I might totally whiff that, but you know, um, this game appeals to the things I'm passionate about. It is a world that feels cohesive. Um, I'm not a big fan of um, some people like Metroid Fusion. I hate that game so much. Um, but I feel like even the Prime games that are good, like, even though I'm not a huge fan of them, they're still, like, undeniably great games. Yeah, um, I like Prime a lot, thing, so they I, made I'll it, take they, that. <laughs> yes. Right. They're a little slow for me, but that's not the point. The one thing that Prime did that I will curse it for, for the, forever, because I think this rubbed off on Nintendo, is they made people think that Metroid was about having all these, like, crazy biomes that you visit. Okay. And I think that's nonsense. 
Because <laughs> then Nintendo got even worse with it. Where it's like, yeah, we're just going to have like space stations that have like the lava zone and the ice zone. Zeebs has a biology that doesn't just change wildly from place to place. It morphs as you move around. You There's little tells about the environment. You're on criteria. It's like you go to the top. It's like there's pools of acid because there's acid rain on the top of the planet. There's an acid nowhere else in the game, mind you, except for the areas, except for Norfair and the topmost areas of criteria that yeah. you can find. And that's just a nice little detail. Um, Brinstar dries out as you get lower towards uh, Norfair. It's not just like it's not just like oh the lush place like no it is affected by the areas around it. It moistens again once you get towards Meridia, and then there's a base built there. Then you have Norfair, the the hot place, which isn't like, which is like the most tropey area. You know, yeah, the lava place, Typ- typical like, fire stage. That's it. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Besides that, you have an area where it's just like these. It's just like. It's it's just this fusion of of biomes that don't like. It's not just like these segmented areas. They they fuse into each other. Uh, and it's like when you look at how the areas intersect on the map, it all makes sense. It's just it's just lovely details. Like I said, just like like just Brinstar drying out. It's something that I didn't even notice as a kid, but as time, I'm like, oh, that's why it's red. Wait, okay. <laughs> and again, it gets wet though. Again, yeah, it's just like one of those nice things. Or like, like it's an ecosystem that's um, working yeah, in ta- Like, right? It's it's an ecosystem that's happening around whether the player is there or not. Like, the player just happens to right. coincidentally. It's be It's not there at the five top. different ecosystems. Yeah, it's one ecosystem, maybe two ecosystems. If you say Norfair is wildly different from everything else. Yeah, it's like the center of the Earth. But it's like, just a planet like doing what a planet does. It has various, right. It's not even like yeah. right. It's like you're going down. You're going down to where lava is in a planet. So it's like yeah. So it's like this like world that makes sense in a really nice way. Like I always felt like the best thing that like Metroid could have done after this, if they wanted the space thing, was just like don't have anything. You're not beholden to this idea of, you know different biomes it's like this just made sense because you're on a planet and this is an area it's like plant stuff and water stuff in the same area is not a crazy thing like like water's everywhere like this area makes <laughs> right like, like it doesn't need just to have, just be here it can be anywhere you could do a metric game where it's just like aliens right where it's just like you just have a space well, alien where it's just like you just have a spaceship and then there's like some bio stuff where the um alien um took over right right like and that would be a fine Metroid game. You don't need to have the lava area or the crazy whatever. It's about exploring an environment. Yeah. Uh, I think actually somebody made a ROM hack of that. I think that's Metroid Eris, I think. I but, don't know. Uh, I was, yeah, I wasn't directly thinking about that, but then I remembered that's a thing that exists. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> there's some cool ROM hacks for this game. But um, Well, the, speaking of sort of a game that's like Metroid that is just about Alien. It, did you ever play, uh, what was it called? The DS Alien game. That was really good. Infestation. The DS Alien game is really good. Yeah, Alien Infestation. That game is excellent. I really like it. <laughs> no, but I'll try it out. That's like, like I love when it's like I've never heard that this game is good. I really like it. And that that game was like that's not that's that's less of a Metroidvania and more of just like this is like a Metroid game. It has uh, what unique... type of what type of game is it? It's, it's like Metroid. It's so it's based... like a platformer like Metroid. Yeah, it's essentially a platforming Metroid. Like, but you have like four squad. It's kind of, 
Um, like you have like four different squad characters, and then when one dies, you have to assume the role of the next squad mate that you have, and okay, then that you cool. then you backtrack through all the areas that you went through with that character that died, and then you can get to the point where that character died, and you can pick up like their stuff, and then you can carry on and keep exploring. And it's essentially like you have four lives, and then when all your squad mates die, I can't remember what happens. Either you have to hire new ones, or the game. Or if you don't do something, like, oh, I think what happens is you you find other squad mates that are like maybe in like cryostasis or like hiding or something, <laughs> and then when you find them, you can add them to your pool of squad mates. But if you don't find them and all the characters die, then you have to start the game again. Okay, that sounds them. really cool. How touch control is this game? Uh, not very at all. I think you can like touch on the the DS screen to like see the status of your squad mates and stuff like that. It's not very touch screen. It's based, it's oh, all that's controls. Great. Then I can- then I can play it on my retro, on my Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, yeah, I think you'll be able to. You might get away with it. That sounds really cool. It's really good. Aliens Infestation is a great game. Yeah. So like, right. So like, that's the thing where it's like you can have like getting like intimate with like a ship. Yes. It's like it's exactly what that's it's like. Super cool. Like I'm really interested in spaces and games. It's like it's so cool when you play a game and you just like. You feel that you know you inhabit the space. This is what I had. Like I played all the old from software games. Like I played all the Kingsfield games and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, some of those games, like Kingsfield Two, which is probably the coolest of the old ones, that game looks like ass. <laughs> I was going to um, say Japanese. the first thing I was going to say. They are very difficult to look at. Yes, but like when you go around that island, uh, I'm talking about like Japanese Kingsfield Two because that gets confusing. Because oh, okay, it's a Kingsfield PS1 Two game, in Japanese right? is Kingsfield right. It's um right. We got two and three here, but okay. two is one and one is and three is two. Ah yes, that um, silly naming convention. Yeah. Yeah, it screwed us over. It's impossible to talk about the game and know which game people are talking about. Uh, but I always go by the Japanese names because okay, there's three games. Like, what am I gonna call Kingsfield One then? Kingsfield <laughs> Zero. Kingsfield um, Japan. Kings, right. Kingsfield Two. It's like takes place on this island, and like by the time I was done with that game, I'm like. I know this place. Like, I don't even need a map. It's like, it's just like the structure of it makes sense in a way where it's just like, yeah, I am intimate with this island now. And it felt really good. Even though that game is like, they're just hideous. <laughs> like, they're, <laughs> I was shocked at how much I enjoyed like playing the Kingsfield games. When I went back and I did that because it's like, they are, they are, they have not aged well. No, like, they, they look so bad. <laughs> First person 3D polygonal style it didn't work very well. Um, yeah, but um, so but like, I guess that's I, a testament to level design, isn't it? Like, yeah, like good level design will hold up for a long time, even if the rest of the game does not. Yeah. Um, so it's like Super Metroid being a beautiful game that it is anyway. It's still one of the most beautiful sprite work based games ever, and visually, oh, yeah. atmospherically, the music is wonderful, and that just adds the weight to why that game is so fantastic, that you have all that it's other so stuff that lonely. holds up as well. Yeah. Oh my god, that's what I also hate about like, later Metroids, it's like, they're like, oh, we have to have all these characters, we have to put like, somebody that talks to you and tells you stuff, like, no, Metroid's lonely, don't do this, man. <laughs> Let me feel isolated, it's great. <laughs> Well, we're, we're going to have the Metroid 2 remake, and we're going to have, eventually, Metroid Prime 4. Um, who knows? I am what... so worried about that Metroid 2 remake. Really? 
There's a lot oh of people God. who were f- who I know are fans of Metroid who played it at E3 and played it at press events said they liked it, but whether a, a Metroid game has to be taken as the full package is the problem. Yeah, not right. just you based on know. the mechanics. And I mean, it's like Nintendo's like putting a lot of work in, but I do not trust that developer at all. No, Mercury Steam. Mercury, Mercury Steam's on my hit list. Oh, I imagine as a Castlevania fan, I can imagine. <laughs> I Lords of Shadow, like I was, I hate that game so much. There's a game I could put on a desert island by itself. It would be Lords of Shadow. It's not the worst game I've ever played, but I feel wronged by it. Wow, so you have a developer who are in charge of two of like your favorite franchises. And, oh my god, yeah, like, I have a vendetta against them. <laughs> I mean, the nicest thing I could say about them is like they're like they're the worst game de- developers to have super talented artists. Like, there's never been a company with such a dichotomy between like their art department, and their game design department. Because <laughs> their games do look great, except for Mirror of Fate, which also which plays like shit and looks like shit. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying anything. I'm I'm, I'm over okay. Here. Okay. I'm, I'm over here. The Metro, Steam, the Metro game looks better than Mirrors of Fate. <laughs> That's yes. Saying. The Metro game looks really nice, I think. And everyone was saying that the 3D... I don't 3D, like the style, but... The like, 3D I, no, is supposedly amazing, it. but that's by the by, isn't it? 3D is 3D. Yeah. They I said mean, it looks like, really good. Right. I the don't thing feel like is, we will find out. We will find better. out a lot sooner than we think as the game is out, what, September? Just two months away? Really? Yeah. It's September. Wow, okay. Yeah, the month of Mario Odyssey, maybe, or it's in the start of October. It's around the same same time as Mario Odyssey, so. Okay, that's good. Because even though I hate them, I hope the game's great, and I hope my opinion changes on them. Because I don't like hating on a developer. I would like for them to redeem themselves. Well, we all want good. They're games, clearly especially... talented people that work there, and yeah. I don't want their efforts to be wasted on bad games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want, of... I want to be blown out of the park by Mercury Steam. Come on, guys, you can do it. <laughs> speaking of Castlevania, then. Um, yes. Let's get a little more into Castlevania, which I think some people who probably know who you are and are listening to this have probably wanted to hear about, um, considering the game you are making and the games you have made. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to some beautiful music, some wonderful, truly wonderful music, and let's dive into the second to last game on Michael's list. So we are now here at the second to last game on Michael's list and we're getting ready to send him off to the dystopian cyberpunk city that is of Deus Ex. I mean, we don't really have a name for it. We're just going with a sort of aesthetic, I think, this time more than yeah. anything. But the next game, 
that he's going to be playing with him is a game I've been waiting to hear about, waiting for to hear him talk about since we started this. It's a game developed by Konami, directed, of course, by Koji Igarashi and Toru Haga, Hagihara. It was released back on the PlayStation 1 in 1997 and is revered as the kickstart of the Metroidvania, the combination of the two being one of the biggest influences of so many indie titles these days, combined with Super Metroid. It is, of course, the platform action adventure that sort of has RPG elements too. It's, of course, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Michael. My second favorite Castlevania, but the one that will hold up better. Ah, okay. So what's what's your favorite Castlevania? Castlevania 3. Okay. That's, Which, that's, you look at BEP, and that makes sense. Yeah. Castle okay. So then, but, taking Symphony of the Night, then, second best, but why is this the one that's going to hold up the longest, then? Because there's just so much stuff in this game. This is, like, the opposite of every uh, Egovania that has come out since it, which have... All of the Egovanias that have come out have, in some way, suffered from, like budgetary like we didn't get to do everything we wanted to do ness i guess but we tried a little bit of everything and it didn't right. quite pan out except okay. except maybe except maybe Arya Sorrow. i feel like Arya Sorrow of those games is the one that's like this is the that's the second game that feels complete but there's a lot less stuff in Arya Sorrow than there is simply the night simply yeah. of the night is a game of excess it is the opposite of super metroid super metroid is this elegantly put together game where they very carefully trim what they have and they make sure every bit of content is as close to perfect as they can. Simply the night just goes nuts. <laughs> it's just like, and it's not like the content there isn't like, it's not like a bunch of like, it's not like a ton of bad content like that might sound, but it's just like, it's just maximally designed. It's not about like subtraction and minimalism. It is about going crazy and just like, we're going to have a thing where you look through a telescope to see a dude on a boat for no reason. I don't know. Like, it's just there. (laughs) Like when you go into this tower, it's going to be random weather conditions for no reason. Probably because we made them all. We couldn't decide which one looked best. There's just going to be like animals running around for no reason. Uh, There's so many swords that you can play the game for 10 years and then like pick one up. It's like, I didn't know there was a two handed Crusaderim. But yeah, Werewolf will drop the Yatsutsuna. I didn't know about that game, that sword, until like a few years ago. Like, <laughs> where the what? The, where the hell did this thing come from? Like, what the hell is that? And also, this is another game I speedrun. I, I was going to ask because I, I failed to ask on the Super Metroid one, but you didn't bring it up. So I guess Super Metroid speedruns. I would totally that. speedrun it. Well, um, now you have the time to try. Yes. So that's I, I do know. I do know a lot of the tricks. But um, I've never had a run. Like I can't say I speedrun Super Metroid because I've never done a run. A run. I've done the I've done the order. Okay. Like, I've done the speedrun route, but yeah. like I wouldn't call it a speedrun because it's like I you know dying multiple times trying to beat Fantoon and stuff like that. It's like nothing that resembles a run. But Not I, exactly I, efficient. I, right. I roughly know the the route. Yeah. Um. Same the night. I was like like I had like the second best time at some point. Whoa! Well, in the, I, I, in yeah, the I was one of the top runners of the game. Whoa! And the top ranked game, Rom Scout, I knew because he was one of the first people who did a review on YouTube of I Want to Be the Guy. (laughs) So, what he was like a child. Another weird full circle that has come around. So, wait. Yes. Who was it? Who did the SGDQ on last week then? Because that was like 45 Um, minutes. That was was Dragon Arch. And he, he got kind of the world time, but didn't get the world time. 
uh, for um, I think he was doing all bosses. I actually didn't watch that run yet. That was really yeah, good. Doing, I watched it the other day. It's so good. Yeah, everyone's doing um, all bosses now because the um, any percent category. Well, there's two different any percent categories, um, but they're very. Both of them are very well optimized, uh, and it just gets so like sometimes then it's like, hey, let's go to the longer, more generous uh, speed run. Uh, I actually don't. I don't know all bosses. Um, if I'm on, since I'll be on a desert island, I'll learn it. Yeah. Um, it. I was going to uh, learn it, but it's a game where it's like I know so many glitches in that game where it's like I'll just go <laughs> around. Uh, when I used to stream this game a lot, I would sometimes just play around and just like show people like dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, I helped figure out some of the glitches that are used in the current run. Um, dude, what? This is so yeah. crazy. What? Yeah. Just keep this. I don't know whether you keep this all a secret, but this is so crazy. You have like such a the wealth of video game knowledge and skill. <laughs> right, but again, ne- ne- never managed to be the best at anything. Like Rom Scout uh, always had me beat. Jack of all trades, um, master of none. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like uh, I've done a million races with Rom Scout, and even though I've had like a close time to his, like he's just way more consistent than me, so I would never come cl- remotely close. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, I helped figure out, like, people figured out a bigger glitch, um, and then I helped figure out, like, hey, where's this applicable that helped us skip um, a lot, all like, almost all the bosses in the second castle, like, the inverted what castle. the hell? Yeah. It's just like, Amazing. We just use a heart refresh and just throw a place, and then you'd, like, teleport a screen, and then you just, like, you turn into a bat on the top of the screen, you just fly to Dracula. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's so dumb it's great it's crazy so one thing i did want to talk about and i think would be very interesting for people to hear is you are making a game that is like castlevania and um of yeah, course but not like this castlevania not like this castlevania this is uh you know an egovania this is you know koji yes. igarashi igarashi san's sort of beginning of his sort of term as the the keep holder of castlevania um yes. but when you were here at bit summit um, oh, yes. When you were here in Japan at Bit Summit, uh, obviously, Igarashi-san was at Bit Summit. Obviously, he's talking about Bloodstained, which is sort of his, you know, Igavinia spinoff that he's going to be doing, which is another I am cast- very interested in how that's going to turn out, because like I said, like, yeah, all his other games, except for maybe Arya Sorrow, have been in some ways compromised, sometimes massively compromised. Like, I'm playing through Portrait of Ruin right now, actually. The DS game. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, that game is, there's parts of that game that are just like rough from like a, <laughs> like, and it's like, it's not like, you know, clearly like, clearly this game is not made by people who don't know what they're doing. It's just like, clearly it's like, okay, we have to have like, we don't have enough really good people to make like nice assets everywhere yeah, and stuff like that. It's weird because they pumped out so many, like people don't even realize people are like, oh, Symphony yeah. of the Night, then nothing happened. You had Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, Area of Sorrow. Dawn of Sorrow, uh, Curse of Darkness, Portrait of Ruid, like, there, yeah. there were loads of Castlevania games under Igarashi, and, like, Konami were pumping one out a year, and it's, like, it's weird to think that they were, like, oh, we need to stop development on this one now and tie it up and just ship it and see what happens, because they spent so much money making, like, multiple, multiple games throughout the yeah, early Yeah, and with 2000s. that game, like, with that game, you could tell, like, um, that game, I feel like they had, they, they knew their state. Like, um, Order of Ecclesia, I feel like, probably was a game that kind of got a surprise treatment. Like, yo, you got to ship this. Because, like, a few of the levels are just, like, 
what is this? This is like the same screen reused like five times. <laughs> well, other parts of the well, other parts of the game are like really like I feel like they probably did like Dracula's Castle first because Dracula's Castle is awesome in that game, even though it's like really short. I feel like the Dracula's Castle in that game is as big as the Portrait of Ruin one, which is like really sad. <laughs> and like this is a thing that you get after you almost play through a full game, like. Which yeah, is that's weird. Bit, so like it's a bit disappointing, but yeah. So it's like so now you have a situation where it's like now you have like time. I mean, he, he definitely has like money constraints and stuff, but it's yeah, like, yeah. Right? But like, it's like finally you've been you've been unleashed again, and for the first time in like over a decade, really. So it's like I'm excited to see what he does. It's going to be exciting. But one thing that was even more exciting, I feel like, oh and, yes, 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 uh, which was crazy happening. Um, uh, at Bitsummit, obviously, Michael had uh, Brave Earth there for people to play, and Igarashi Sam was sort of walking around, and obviously, being a part of Dungan Entertainment, the the sort of head honcho at Dungan is Mr. Ben Judd, who, uh, you know, famous sort of agent for some Japanese creators, helped with the Mega uh, the Mega Man, Kenji, uh, Keiji Inafune sort of Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter. Then yes. Helped with Bloodstains and with Igarashi-san. And they sort of set up... Um, calling in the favor. Calling, calling Igarashi-san over to play Brave Earth. And uh, I remember because I was sort of stood next to the Brave Earth booth at the time and uh, Nyan and everyone was running around like headless chickens looking for you because they were like, Igarashi-san wants to play. Igarashi-san wants to play. <laughs> yes. And, um, then he finally got you over and then sat Igarashi-san down and um, he played a bit of Brave Earth. He was there for a good half an hour or so playing it and we were all sort of stood behind him watching Igarashi-san play Brave Earth, which was so... No, he was there for 15 minutes. He ran the, okay. he ran the demo timer. Yeah, he was like, oh yeah, yeah, he did, and he was uh, he was playing quite a bit of it. Um, how was that then? Being someone who second favorite sort of series game series and one of your favorite Castlevania is like the creative sort of director of that playing your game then that is like Castlevania. How see, I was interested because um, as far as I know, he's not a big fan of classic Castlevania. Okay. Right. Well, like, he did like change his... up the formula, so I imagine he did have issues with it. Right. That's why like, he did it, like, what he even did. Rondo of Blood is like a decent bit different than the Castlevanias before it. Yeah. Um. So I was like interested, like, like, because like I could be like, oh god, I got away from this shit. But he seemed to really get into it, and he had like, um, like if you remember the screen with the the Zweihander guys. Yes. Yeah, which like murdered people. Yeah, and like I actually changed part of it because especially the second one that's like close to the pit, I changed that for like the, oh, the yeah, Taiwan you, demo they sent you out. You had to jump over the pit, but as soon as you would jump, the they would just stab you with his Y hander and you would fall into the pit. Yeah, you yeah, used to in a previous build be able to just make them run into the pit really easily, but I guess I changed something where that stopped happening. So I just like made the area bigger, so it's like there's still the pit behind you, but you have more room to work. But yeah, okay. that motherfucker doesn't he's never seen these enemies before and these are enemies that when they see you they do like a little shuffle and then they charge you and then they do a big slow sword swing yeah he looks at them can tell immediately what they do because i mean <laughs> i guess if you're a game and you look at it and you think about it, it's like yeah this is the type of enemy that would do exactly this thing i'm describing yeah walks over as soon as they twitch steps back doesn't even step back all the way just tells like okay stop whatever kills them and gets through that whole area the first time without getting hit. Never has seen the screen before. Murdered everybody who played the demo. 
half the time I was watching people playing that area, it's like, like I'm sorry, I didn't mean for this to be so hard. I got to test this particular area before. And he just murdered it. And the only time he got hit after that was just because he's just like at the point where it's like, I know the feeling too. It's like you just get kind of lazy. Yeah. And you start caring about your life so much. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so what did he say then? What did he say afterwards? Uh, he said the game made him like really nostalgic. Um, That's good. I didn't really get a good read of it. He said the script was really good. And... Um, Oh, the Japanese, yeah. He complimented the yeah. Japanese, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he said, like, oh, this is really cool and, like, dramatic and stuff like that. And, uh, like, I remember turning, I turn over to my translator. I'm like, dude, this is on you. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, I don't have that much faith in my writing. Like, if he's saying this is awesome, it's like, uh, the joke I made with uh, the translator was like, okay, so when we're done here, you, uh, I, we need to give this to somebody else to translate into English. Because clearly whatever you wrote is better than whatever I wrote. <laughs> um, it must have been crazy nervous, though, being watching, you know, Igarashi-san, a game you speed run, a game, you know, that you're here now. I don't know. To... I'm just, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a smooth man like that. I was just like, oh, this is wild. <laughs> like, I guess I when you've had millions of people play, I want to be the guy. I, 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 one person yeah, playing I don't get, one game. Yeah, I don't yeah. get, like, I mean, it was really cool. But like, I don't it was that, very like, cool. It was cool even I for me get... as a spectator watching, you know, Igarashi-san play a Castlevania-like game. I th- that was really cool. I mean, Polygon. Yeah, I mean, I was a little nervous. Like you can't help being a little nervous. By people like, oh my god, you must be sweating it so much. I was like, no, no, it's interesting. I think it was also good knowing, like, like going in with the assumption that he's not a big fan of like older Castlevania games. So it kind of set me up like, oh my god, what if he doesn't like it? It's like, uh, well, if he yeah. didn't, if he doesn't like it, like yeah. that would be expected. Yeah. But no, you know, he was very polite about it. It's like, I don't know if he like really liked it. I read, um, was it Polygon or something? Yeah, Polygon. Somebody... Think, yeah, Adam. 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 Brown, Polygon. Yeah. And, yeah. And his take of it, like he made it sound like, like, oh, he was really into it. So he maybe he's more right. Um, he did I'll seem... just go on that. Cause if... Yeah. He cause... seemed engaged by it. Yeah. Because even like... standing back, because we were all sort of watching him from behind and he... You were right. He was he was like instantly very good at the game, <laughs> which yes. was surprising because I played it before. I'm not bad at games, but I'm not great. But I was struggling at times, especially like the Zweihander bot, like dudes who stab you into the pit and stuff like that. Yeah, those guys are was, jerks. Yeah. and he would just <laughs> like annihilate that. those things. And I said to Nyan, I turned to Nyan of Dangan, I was like, dude, fucking Ikarashi's so good at this. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. so better than I am. <laughs> Yeah, no, my uh, the, the translator, he was uh, sweating it. He was so excited. He was jumping out, like uh, jumping up and down, like all in excitement whenever like, he's being complimentary. <laughs> this is good. This is very good. Well, you know, hopefully you can send Igarashi a copy through Ben after the game's yeah. released and be like, hey, here's the, here's the final version. Check it out. Well, unfortunately, though, we now have to get ready to send you away to the brand new city the penthouse that you're going to be living in with all these eight games and uh, taking the final game that you're going to be taking with you, which I do believe is your favorite game of all time now. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's I, a game that... The least the least original choice for an indie developer at this time. I debated... I almost didn't want to pick this just because... Well, you are not alone, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. You are not alone. Uh, it is a... Anyone who listens to Final Games very often will know this is a a very favorite a pick of a lot of people on Final Games for obvious reasons, and you. I bet everybody deny. else agonizes over it too. It's like, do I really want to pick this game? Do Just, I want to? Yeah. Do I want to be that guy? <laughs> well, I think everyone knows what's coming when you hear this music. So let's listen to some wonderful atmospheric music from this next game, and let's, of course, as always, dive into Michael's final game.
Dark Souls. <laughs> we don't even need to do an introduction. It's perfect. It's, of course, the final game on Michael's list, as he just announced, is developed by From Software and published by Namco Bandai. It was directed by Miyazaki-san. It released back, I can't believe, the further we get away, the longer this show's on, the show goes on, the further we get away from the release date of this game. I can't believe it, it was 2011, and it was a month before Skyrim, which makes it even weirder, because Skyrim seems to get more dated, whereas this game... Yeah, that's wild. ...seems still like... I mean, just because so many games now are following suit with this game. Um, I can't believe they were that... Cl- that's wild to me to think about. That makes no sense. Yeah, like, they were They were just memory. a month apart. They were only... This came out in October, and uh, Skyrim came out. I'll always remember 11th of 11th, 2011. Um, that was the day. So, yeah, of course, it's Dark Souls. Michael, the last game on your list that you're going to be taking with you to the city penthouse in the <laughs> Do sky. you even have that written down? Or is this just like you just have that committed to memory at this point? The what? The the, the, <laughs> the Dark Souls. Uh... Oh, I, I have it committed to memory. We've talked about this game because it's so great. So many oh times. Oh, my God. It's what wonderful. can I even say? I mean, it's going to be the last game you're taking with you. At this point, I imagine oh, the one thing... Um, that fascinates me about Dark Souls is it's a game that people choose stuff like, you know, Super Metroid or, uh, you know, Super Mario World. Uh, you know, you have these classic games that are just hallmarks of, you know, video games. And people are like, yeah, I could play it a few times, speedrun and stuff like that. But Dark Souls is quite modern. If you think in terms of like everything, it's, it's six years ago. It's not that long ago. Yeah, it's not that long ago. But in that time the people who choose it for this list are people who've rinsed it. People who've played it like 20 times and even 20 times in six years, people are like, Nope, give it to me now. I want to play it again. I'll keep playing it. Just, I just want to get into it again, which is amazing because people don't get burnt out on dark souls. I don't know what it is about dark souls. It seems what I was saying about worlds. And that's where like dark souls Two, like even though dark souls two is not a bad game. I'm not like people seem really polarized on it. I'm like middle of the road on dark souls Two. Yeah, it's the black sheep, but... I played through it once. I enjoyed it. Yeah, but that's a video game. Like, as long as you enjoy it. So Dark Souls is a special case. You can't... I mean, they kind of repeated the formula of special with Bloodborne, because that game is equally just, in my opinion, fucking amazing. But... Uh, Bloodborne will be... And I haven't played Dark Souls 3 either. Those are, like, my post-BEP games, where I'm like, I'm not allowed to touch these. Man, you are gonna... I'm looking... you're in for a whale of a time in both uh, of them. I like that because uh, I'm a big Demon Souls fan too. Like Demon Souls is like very close, not not super close because Dark Souls Two is just like has so many things that like are deeply important to me. But like atmospherically, I would say like Demon Souls is a better game. <laughs> like there's stuff that Demon Souls does better than Dark Souls, just not enough of it to super- to even remotely pass uh, pass it. Yeah, but all the people I know who love. Demon Souls love Bloodborne, so yes, the, the horror element I think is there. Dark Souls went for a bit more dark fantasy, whereas Demon yeah. Souls and Bloodborne definitely steeped in a little more horror. Yeah. Dark Dark Souls is very Greek. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's a little more brighter as well. Apart from when you go yeah. to obvious places like Blight Town in the forest and stuff like that, but it's definitely a little more brighter in a uh, presentation. But we are here, and we are going to send you away with Dark Souls. Um, Tell me then a little bit about being someone who'd played Demon Souls to then be like, ah, there's a, you know. No, 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 my friend. Oh, you went back. I refused to play these games. Oh, no, I know. I did play Demon Souls first. Okay, but 
I I refuse to play these games because I generally don't like RPG ish games, and I looked at these games and they looked very like RPG ish. Yeah, oh, fucking um, JRPGs, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean they looked like actiony, but they didn't look actiony enough. Okay. Um, and it's like, oh, they 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 take like you know you'll play them for like sixty or hundred hours. I tend to avoid games like that. Yeah. And there's a fan of um of a pod my podcast I used to do years and years ago who's now just somebody who's just like a friend of mine now. Yeah. Um who's like you need to play these games. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to get these games. And like he sent me stuff before and he just sent me a copy of Demon Souls and Dark Souls completely unsolicited. And I'm like, fuck you. Now you I have obliged. to play these games now, yep. right? Like I'm not going to have you spend money on these games and not yeah. play them. <laughs> so I played Demon Souls first, but it was already a given that I would play Dark Souls because gave you gave me these games. Yeah. Um. So I played them immediately one at, one before the other. Um. And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker, you ruined my life. <laughs> these games are so good. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like a month or two after Dark Souls came out. Okay. So it was close to Dark Souls release. It was yeah. after some of the patches. Like I never had to deal with like the really shitty Lost Isolith. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and the when, like, original those, like, gargoyle nonsense. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, actually. yeah. So I, I got the slightly better experience there, but um, the optimal experience. Yeah. So I love Demon's Souls. It was really good. I'm like, oh, this game's cool as hell. This game's like Berserk. This is cool. Yeah, that game is definitely a lot more like Berserk in atmosphere as well. I feel like that's the horror element of it. The demons, right? Like yeah, that's like Dark Berserk. Souls is like. Like the the high fantasy Greek times, yeah, have ended, and now it's kind of like a, a Lord of the Rings dying of the age. While like Demon Souls, like nothing was ever good in Demon Souls. There was no, <laughs> there was no glory period. Everything is bad. Everything always was bad, <laughs> and everything will be bad until the old one wakes up and everything disappears. <laughs> what a great setting. Um, but like, yeah, like again, like Dark Souls gets like so lonely. But like, it's like, it's a play. You see, you see a world that is dying. It's great. Like everything feels like you're walking on this old civilization, and it's just wonderful. Like the whole gameplay, like repetitive aspect of like mastering stuff, appeal to me on a deep level. But I've played games like that before. Like you can play like a character action game for that. Yeah. Um, and it'll do the action better. But like. And, like, Dark Souls action is still pretty good. <laughs> like, That's I love amazing. the slow weapons, so it appealed to me. It's great. But, like, the thing that put it over the edge to me was the world. It's just, like, and just realizing, like, I, like by the end of my time with that game, and my time I'll have with it again, now that I'm on this desert island. Um, yeah, plenty of times. I, I felt like, yeah, right, like, I felt like, um, you know the, have you seen The Princess Bride? Yes. It's like, I know the mysteries of the fire swamp. I can live quite comfortably here for some time. <laughs> right? Like, that's me and Dark Souls. Like, it's miserable. It's bad. But it's home. This is, but it's home. But it's home. And I just, like, I know it and I feel comfortable yeah. here. I know every nook and cranny. Right. And, but not in a way where it's boring, but in a way where it, feel, like, it feels like home. Like, you know you're home. But, like, when you're, like, tired and you come back to your home, it feels homely. Yeah. It, it feels comfortable to be there. Yeah. Um. That's... Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> and then I can just be a jerk. Like, how great is it to be to be a poor motherfucker who has to deal with the guy who made I Want to Be the Guy invading them in Sen's Fortress? 
has a more appropriate thing ever happened. <laughs> that was my invasion spot. Like, is this the plan then? Too. Is this the plan going forward then? Like, Dark yes. Souls played it a few times. You know, I know every bit about it. Now I'm going to chill on a deserted island, be the dude who made that really hard game, and now I'm going to make people's lives a misery. By... Yeah. And I'd go, I'll go back to even the same places I did forever. I would always go between Sen's Fortress and the beginning of Anor Londo with the, um, with the catwalk and the elevator. Yeah. Uh, I would make people lose progress there so often. <laughs> like, they would, like, take the elevator down, and I would fight them back, and I would take the elevator back up, and be like, sorry, you have to do the catwalk again. <laughs> Countless times. Countless times I did that. <laughs> Man, I would hate you so much. Yeah. See, that's perfect because, like, I'm not somebody where, like, you know, certain people are like, oh, yeah, I just want to, like, destroy everybody's items and corrupt their games. Like, no, I feel like losing the elevator is the perfect amount of progress to lose where people will hate my guts, but I'm not doing anything, like, irreparable or ruining yeah. their game. Yeah, like, like, of course they... they're going to do it again. Yeah. Like, But it's not like so they have like... to start again. Or right, I would never. If, even if I had the ability to do that, I would never do something like that to somebody. We'll see. But <laughs> taking the elevator away from them, like yes, I will do that <laughs> over and over again. I've done that to people who were um, like trying to get to Ornstein and, and Smo. Like they're right there. They're at that bonfire. Like they were ready <laughs> to do it as well. Like they've been preparing to take on Ornstein and Smo for so yeah. long, and they were like, <laughs> like, "Oh, sorry, you're all the way back here now." Today's finally <laughs> the day, and oh, uh oh. <laughs> I mean, they're they're actually they're actually fine because you know they can at least just suicide, <laughs> and, you know, go back to the bon- whatever bonfire they're at. But, like... but lose all their souls. Oh no 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 no! Because most people then do the um. Oh no though, if you do the bonfire before um. If you do the bonfire before, it's not so yeah, bad. Yeah 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 yeah. You're actually fine unless you're like you don't know about the. Uh... Yeah no yeah okay no I could I couldn't screw those people too much except for having to make them like kill themselves or whatever. But the satisfaction of but, making them kill themselves. Yeah. Beautiful. It's like I, it's like I love going up against three different people and just being being a scumbag and just like thinking like <laughs> how can I harass these people? How can I make them make a mistake? I like being at the disadvantage. I like having to use weird tricks and stuff like there's there's spells like people like um like people hate like would be like oh firestorm sucks why would you ever use that in pvp like i will tell you why if there's three people and you run into a room and you cast firestorm they'll all run in and they won't do anything because they're gonna expect somebody else is gonna hit you yeah and then you're gonna kill three people (laughs) or you're gonna kill at least one of them and it's the stupidest thing there's no reason why it should work it's stupid and obviously terrible and pair and um, telegraphed, people will freeze right up. Ninety yeah. percent of the time, <laughs> they don't know what to do. If it's a one-on-one fight, you're going to get backstabbed. If it's three people, people just freeze up because for some reason, when you have like that situation, people are very cautious and risk-averse yeah. to the point where it's to their detriment. Well, they've been trained so, to do that because of the way the game's nature is. Yeah. So right, like people who are. Um, yeah, people who are used to, like, one-on-one duels, like, you know, they don't. Yeah. Up, like, whatever. Like, I'm yeah. just going to – I'm not afraid of your BS. <laughs> but, um, like, invading the game so fun, playing single players so fun. Even doing the duel stuff is, like, fun, even though I think the game's like, way too defensive. But it's fun. Well, it like, gets to a point. Some... I, think, I feel like your first few playthroughs are. But then after that, you sort of – the the scaredness and worries go go away and you just – 
you sort of understand a little bit more, and you can play a little more aggressive. Yeah, and... I'm interested. I'm interested to play um, Bloodborne because everyone's like, "Oh yeah, no, it's like more aggressive." Oh, than it's Dark far. Souls. It's far more but aggressive. My, my my question is, and maybe you can answer this: Is it that much more aggressive than Dark Souls, or is the capacity for passivity that much less? Um. Well, shields are not it's... a thing, right? Shields aren't a thing, and you get your health back by you can get health back by hitting an enemy within a certain amount of time after they've hit you. So yeah. it's it's advantageous that once you've been hit to go in and get your health back. Um, yeah. And also there's counters. So with your guns and weapons, like you have to wait for an enemy to hit you to counter them. So it's a, it's it's more risky. But the problem is it's the same. It's not a problem, but the way it works is that it's still a Souls game. So you're still nervous about what's around the corner so when you're yeah playing you're going from area to area you're still slowly making your way so you're not aggressively running through things but when you're in Even fights, though i love doing that well i mean i, I love <laughs> i love doing the um i love doing dark souls parkour just balls to the wall running through yeah, it. like like yeah i'm not gonna fight any of you guys see ya <laughs> see ya well but, 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 I, it's like it's not passive in that sense it's just it's just the natural edginess of being in a souls game like if you turn a corner there's gonna be yeah. something that trounces you immediately but it definitely in terms of the combat like it's aggressive like it's built to be aggressive you can't not be aggressive because there's counters right you get your health back if you hit immediately and also like yeah. your the weapons game... are extremely fast so yeah it seems like yeah it seems like though like you're reinforcing what i'm saying where it's like the game is more aggressive but, like, if you're a passive Dark Souls player, naturally, like, the game's going to feel way more aggressive. And if you're an yeah, aggressive yeah. Dark Souls player, it's like, okay, this is a little bit more aggressive. Like, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it fits the balance. It, but it's definitely meant to be like that. that that's how they've made yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, Michael, you, we're going to have to send you away now. We're going to yeah. have to. We've come to the time where, unfortunately, we're going to have to. Brave Earth is going to have to stop. It's going to have to halt the progress on that. Um, and you're just going to have to gimp people on a on a, on a a massive catwalk down an elevator for the rest of your days while playing Super Metroid, speedrunning Super Mario and Castlevania and, you know, cheating in Pico 8 building and making and playing all types of different games and all these wonderful things that you've chosen today and that we've had the pleasure of finding out about you. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. No problem. I think I'm going to have to look at my speedrunning strategies by making a web browser in modded Minecraft. <laughs> you can keep logs of it in like a Pico 8 sort of... <laughs> yeah, that's where I'll keep my notes. You can keep all your notes in there and you can have like little map diagrams of where you died and stuff like that or where you're failing and need to go faster <laughs> of like Castlevania Castle, and, you know, in Symphony oh, of the Night and man. stuff like that. Um, it's amazing. You've got yourself sorted. Like your penthouse. I got my little sweet. ecosystem. I'll have air conditioning as you long will? as I can find a diesel generator. I'm exactly. sure there'll be plenty of I'm gas. I'm sure I can there'll steal. be something because I mean, right now I'm dying for my air conditioner. I'm sweating <laughs> yes. buckets. I'm a melting ice cream. We've come full circle two hours and a bit later. We are talking about how damn hot it is while podcasting. <laughs> yes. But there is one last question I have to ask you that I ask everyone yes. before they leave. Uh, for their deserted place to become the next member of the final games, deserted realms. Um, and that's it. You know, we talk a lot about games on final games. It's in the name. And 
the one thing that's important about gaming, and especially I think like you've hinted at it a little bit, is like consoles that you play on, and, and the way we play games is like super important. You know, you've talked about mm-hmm. arcade boards and arcade sticks, and playing you know with virtual consoles and interacting with speedruns and the way we do things. I, uh, one of the important things we play is how we play like consoles. So if you were going to a deserted island, you could only choose one console to take with you, barring PC, because you can emulate everything on PC. So that's not allowed. Um, if you could take any console with you, uh, thinking about the back catalog, the control of the way we play, what console would you take? <laughs> See, my, my cheat answer that I would have, and I'll have a real answer there, is like my first thing I thought with this is like, oh my God, let me take my Raspberry Pi, please. I have a beautiful <laughs> Raspberry Pi. It's consoleized. It's built into a joystick. It's still it's a joystick PC. you hook up to a TV. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, let me have it, please. I love that thing so much. It's my pride and joy. Yeah, I'll take my I'll take my NES with my uh, power pack. <laughs> That'll, uh, the million bazillion pirate games on it. I think that is. <laughs> well, you can have the whole NES back catalog anyway. Yes. So it's fine. So it's it's good. It's just you can only have the, the the Nintendo Entertainment System ones, the NES games. So that's fine. So we'll allow you to take the NES with you and these wonderful eight games. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Michael. So please tell the wonderful people who have listened so far where they can both find you on the internet to you know find out stuff about you and also what they should be checking out of yours that is maybe either coming out or is out, whatever you'd like to say. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Kayinasaki, um, K-A-Y-I-N-N-A-S-A-K-I, and you'll be like, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear about Brave Earth, but you'll mostly see me tweeting about, like, pro wrestling. Yeah, I was going to say wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, missing, I'm missing the parts of the G1 Climax for you. I'm so sorry. Go Kenny. No, it's okay. Go Kenny. Oh, my God. I love Kenny Omega. I oh met my Kenny God. last year be... at TGS. He was wonderful. Oh, man. I'm going to have to send him a copy of uh, Brave Earth when it's done. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. He's great. He he loves his video games. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've talked to him, too. He's I got great. mad at him because, you got got mad mad at him because his favorite game was, uh, jokingly, that was, uh, we had an argument about um, Enter the Gungeon. Okay. I hate that game so much. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was only joking because I, I never hold it against anybody for liking any games. Yes, but he liked that game. That's a game that certain, yeah, that was like his favorite game for the year. (laughs) (laughs) It was mostly me just grassing. Yeah, and he knew who I was. He was like, oh, yo, you made I'm the guy. Like, how do you know who I am? You're Kenny Omega. (laughs) You're Kenny Omega. Yeah, but um, I think my my Twitter is pretty entertaining. Yeah, um, it's very good. um, And then you can check my blog that I update every once in a blue moon, but it's usually at least... Relevant content at uh, kn.moe. Moe. Uh, for real. Yeah. M-O-E. Moe. Dot M-O-E. Yes. Love it. Yes. <laughs> is it, is it, can have is a, it a Moe com, reference or is it a Travis Touchdown reference? Because it depends how you say it. I love it. Is the, a, uh, it I love is a, a cute, uh, it's like a cute Moe. Oh, that's cool. I just like yeah, yeah, because it's a it's a it's a Japanese TLD. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being someone who lives in Japan, I know what moe is. Just the, right, every time like, I say it, it's the it's the no more heroes, Travis touchdown way of saying it. When how does he say it? I don't remember. He's I just like played that in a while. Moe, and he he yeah. says it in a weird way. It's very funny. He's just like moe. Yeah. Like, my friend was like, ages. my friend told me that that was a TLD. He's like, dude, you have to get this. 
<laughs> no, my favorite is I have a um I, I haven't used it in a long time. I have a generic image server where I can upload images and okay. it's hentai.kane.moe, even though it's not necessarily for hentai, it's just it, it's just a way to make the link link look really shady. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds shady. So I'll send people a link I'm like, am I allowed to click this? It's like, yeah, no, it's just a down it's just a download. It's fine. <laughs> So you can also check that out if you're listening to the show. Yes. Um, I'm on other stuff. I'm I'm active on Tumblr, kanenasaki.tumblr.com. And of course, uh, if you haven't played I Want to Be the Guy and you want to Yeah, that's try on kane.moe. Yeah, I'd try that as well. Oh, my God. And prepare to be frustrated. I interact with people very regularly. Don't be afraid to approach me or message me. I'm generally cool to be like, hey, what's up? Kane, yeah, Kane is a lovely guy. Absolutely. Chat to him away if you have any questions. You're very responsive. Yes. Very responsive. Yes, I enjoy. I'm at the perfect level right now where I get just enough people messaging me stuff that I can address it all without feeling overwhelmed or overwhelmed. Like wasting my time. Yeah. So That's good. I, f- I feel like once you hit like 10,000 followers on Twitter, that's when it starts getting to the point where it's like, oh, I can't. <laughs> Too many people in this world. So I got a way to go. I'm, 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 not, I'm not even halfway there yet. So you still got some time to just like send me random BS. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Final Games. You can, of course, find Final Games on SoundCloud, which is still alive. Um, and I get constantly... There's one point every year where SoundCloud is either in financial trouble or going fucking somewhere, and I panic about my <laughs> RSS feed and everything going down and my whole life collapsing around me as SoundCloud collapses. But no, they're still here, and you can still find the show on SoundCloud, as always. SoundCloud.com forward slash Final Games Podcast. You can also, of course, find it on iTunes, where you can rate and review it, which would be amazingly helpful if you could do that. You can also find it on every other podcasting thing, like Acast, Stitcher, Podcast, Overcast, uh, all those wonderful places, Podkicker, Podbeam, all those wonderful places that you can download podcasts usually. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at LiamBME, where I usually tweet about Japan, video games, uh, what else have I been tweeting about recently? Uh, Evo, uh, my own game that I'm making that I'm very quiet on right now, but I'm sort of leaking more and more stuff about the game I'm making right now. And you can also find the show at Final Games Show. And if you want to email us, you can email finalgamespodcast at gmail.com. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Final Games, and I hope to see you again next week. And until then, thank you to my guest, Michael, and goodbye. Goodbye.